There we go. We are finally back for another episode this season of Friday Night Counter-Attack. Well, the season hasn't actually started yet, but we're previewing the season with our choices of our top 10 Premier League transfers so far this season as well. And who better to get on as a special guest for our episode this week? Uh, none other than the host of the excellent football podcast, Ball and Banter, my good friend, MJ. MJ, how are you doing today? Thank you very much for joining the podcast. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm all good, Hammonds. I'm all good. Um, obviously, as always, thank you for the invite. And you know me, I always jump on where I can. But yeah, no, all good and happy to be here. Fantastic. Are you looking forward to discussing the brand new signings in the Premier League? Some of them coming from outside of England. Some of them come from the Championship. And obviously, some uh, teams have been trading from one team and of the other as well, including your team, Arsenal, getting a couple of players from Man City. Yep, yeah, it's like we're Man City light at the moment. You know, it's quite quite um, apt because you know um, Mikel is like a light Pep Guardiola as well. So carries on with that theme. But yeah, no, you know, there's been some really interesting signings. Uh, a few ones that's even surprised me as well, which I'm sure we'll get into during the episode. But um, yeah, that's been very interesting so far, and I'm sure there's a lot more um, transfers to come. Definitely, because we're only recording this in July, so when we are going to be starting the season the season does continue for another month until september's transfer deadline day as well so for everyone listening wait until the end of the podcast because we're going to be talking about our top 10 top premier league transfers of the season so far as well so we are going to go in alphabetical order so if you're a man united fan wait until the middle if you're an arsenal <laughs> fan we're going in straight away we're going in absolutely yeah. straight away and i'm looking forward to this one mj take us away yep. with again like you said uh, pep guardiola light in Mikel arteta yep. You've got yep. a light left back at Zinchenko, who you recently signed, and obviously Gabriel Jesus, who you've now got mm-hmm. to, and along with a couple of other players that you brought in. How are you yep. feeling about the signings you've made um, so far this summer for Arsenal? Uh, so far, I can't complain. Um, the first one, Fabio Vieira, kind of took me by surprise. Uh, I don't think anyone really saw that one coming. There's no talk about it, and all of a sudden we signed him. Yep. I'm not gonna lie, I've not I'm not really the biggest fan of Premier League or Liga Nosh uh in Portugal, so I haven't seen that much of him. And I don't like watching the YouTube reels because it's kind of misleading a bit. But um, it's so yeah, I've seen a little bits. It's so yeah. misleading. When it's... when you're watching the Portuguese league and you're seeing someone like Bebe on the Portuguese mm-hmm. league highlights as well, and Sarat Ferguson's like, Oh yeah, I'll listen to Carlos Queiros. I'll listen yeah. to what he has to say. Let's spend seven million on this guy. And he doesn't turn up for you. That's why you exactly. can never, ever trust YouTube. Never trust no. these YouTube compilations as well. So that's why no. I get you on the podcast, because you actually do your research, you actually learn about these yeah. players properly as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. So to much, I'm looking forward to see him play and to see the way he plays and, you know, the, the way he touches the ball, his technique, his vision, stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to watching uh, Vieira. And obviously it's a... Historic name for Arsenal as well, uh, as in Patrick Vieira. So, so yeah, now looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, Jesus, um, yeah, I think it'll be a good signing, to be honest. Uh, uh, Mikhail Arteta has brought him into play as a number nine. So far, in the friendlies, look really sharp. Uh, don't get me wrong, our opposition in the friendlies hasn't been the highest quality, so I'm not getting too excited or too gassed. So, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be a good signing. I think he'll bring the energy uh, even Pepsi is one of the best pressing centre forwards in Europe. So that suits Mikel Arteta perfectly. He's versatile. He can play in the wing as well from there, change it up. Uh, Arteta already knows him. Um, and I've heard that Chelsea was trying their best to hijack that deal as well. But obviously his prior knowledge or prior relationship with um, Mikel Arteta seemed to 
be quite pivotal in him coming to Arsenal. So now I'm happy with that signing, definitely 100%. Um, the other signing is Inchenko. Uh, it's going to be interesting with him. Uh, he's a good player. Um, it's interesting to see whether he's going to be playing more midfield or as left back. Um, I know. Ooh, that's, a, that's a good shout, that is, because he actually no, played definitely. for Ukraine and he used to at Manchester City as well. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to be fun to really see where he actually starts if he does play in the, in this um, in this Arsenal side as well. Because once Kieran Tierney is properly fit, who would you rather see start at left back for yourself, MJ? Tierney or Zinchenko? At the minute, I'll say Tierney. Um, but I, I, I want to see how Zinchenko settles in because um, he might end up being quite valuable for us at left back to cover for Kieran Tierney, who seems to you know cast string a few games together, you know, preseason. Has started and is already missing games with injury, mm-hmm. but let's see how it goes. So hopefully, like the season's not too far away. Hopefully, he can build up some uh, minutes and um, get some strength in his legs for the start of the season. But yeah, Zinchenko's going to be an interesting one to see whether he's going to play as a number eight, that left sided number eight, uh, where Jacko would been playing last year. Yeah, uh, I do think he'll be a bit more effective in the final third compared to Jacko, who's a bit. Conserv- not conservative, but I don't think he's got that kind of vision and that craft sometimes to feed the ball into the front uh, when he gets up to those positions in the final third. So it'll be interesting to see, actually, Zinchenko and what position he does play. What I do like about Zinchenko as well is the fact that he continue, continues with his progressive passing as well. He's a very good progressive mm-hmm. passer, making sure he's getting those passes and those crosses in into the final mm-hmm. third as well. And he's worked really well with um, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan and Rodri, who he did work with at Manchester City, to continue with those low balls in, those those quick crosses across uh, the face of goal. And hopefully that will be somewhat beneficial to us, well, Gabriel Jesus and uh, Zinchenko that you've got there as well. Definitely. Very good. Uh, but Definitely. One, one question I need to ask you, as mm-hmm. most Arsenal fans probably were disappointed at the end of last season, not uh, reaching Champions League. With the summer signings that you've made, one... Mm-hmm. Do you need another position to strengthen this summer? Do you need someone? Mm. And two, with the players you've got already, is that strong enough to qualify for the Champions League? Mm. That's the... Do you know what? how I see the season? Uh, this is kind of like make or break for Arteta, I think. Cause this okay. is pretty much his squad now. Um, so I think for the first time, well, one of the first times in his tenure... He's going to be un- actually under pressure, but like in a good way. Like yeah. now we expect it to kick on now and challenge for top four. Um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm still not sure. <clears throat> still be very tight between Arsenal and Tottenham and who gets that fourth place. Uh, and I think between those two teams and obviously United as well under the Ten Hag, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I think we've got a decent chance, but yeah, I can't say anything more than that at the moment until the season kicks off and I see how the boys play. Because the way I've seen it as well, you've actually signed players who I believe are actually going to be starting for Arsenal as well. So you are actually making improvements in what you already have and who you've actually let go at the same mm-hmm. time. It's just in terms of if Vieira can actually settle into this Arsenal side, if he can make his impact in the starting eleven team as well. And realistically speaking, I believe you need another striker. I don't think mm-hmm. Jesus and Nketiah is the answer with the 45, 50 games you've probably got coming up this season to bag you 20, 30, 40 goals between them. It's going to be, mm. you're going to have to rely a lot on Odegaard with Smith Rowe, Martinelli and Saka to chip in with the goals and hopefully Zinchenko as well um, coming forward. Mm. But realistically speaking, if you were to look at probably another striker to bring in or another midfielder, what's one position you could think of MJ that 
Arsenal need to actually uh, buy one more player in? Uh, there's a lot of talk about buying a, a like a right wing forward like in the second position. Okay. Um, that's why they're trying to get Rapinia, uh, Rafinha mm. in, sorry, from Leeds. Uh, someone that can challenge Saka, N- not necessarily come in and take his place, but help him and push him on. Um, yeah, Rafinha so, so went to Barcelona as well, so that's really... Unfortunately. Really, unfortunately, really good signing for them, but really bad for Chelsea and Arsenal, who were after him for quite a while. Really, really I think it would have been a good signing. I think it would have been a really good signing for Arsenal. Um, so I think someone in that ilk, that someone, I think maybe someone that's versatile that can play across the front three, because it seems like Arteta's moving towards like a 4-3-3, yeah. Uh, with Partey being the number six and two number eights with Erdegaard and maybe Xhaka or Zinchenko. Um, so, yeah, but the, to be honest, yeah, we, I think we do need another versatile forward. I wouldn't be against going for someone a bit different, maybe like an actual traditional number nine, like a target man, someone yeah. that you could um, put the ball into the box and mix it up a bit. Because if Jesus and Nketi are, none of them are really headers of the ball, you know, they can head it quite well. Ivan Tony, maybe not attack him. Ivan Tony, maybe you know, maybe he's been he's he had a good first season. I think he got 18 goals and assists in his like debut for the Premier League. And no disrespect to Brentford, he's not playing for you know one of the bigger teams, so that's a good that's very good. Um, uh, you know, stats for your first season. So I wouldn't be against Tony, um, but yeah, I, I couldn't really specifically give you a name that we should go for. But yeah, uh, just a, a player that's a bit versatile that can play up front or maybe on the wings as well. Brilliant. Nah, it's a nice little chat about Arsenal there. And realistically speaking, I feel like Arsenal still need one or two more signings like we've just discussed in terms of how much more they can progress because this is Arteta's team, like you said. This is a yep. do-or-die situation. He's got the players so. he wanted. He's playing with the tactics he wanted to do. He's going to have a hell of a lot of pressure getting into that Champions League uh, position as well. So uh, this will, this will be a fun... Fun season to watch Arsenal because their younger players are going to be in a, quite a bit of form as well. And some of them may not even so. go to the World Cup in November. So they'll have another fresh bit of relaxing time as well, which will be really That's good true. to see. That's true. But the World Cup's definitely going to add um, a different spin to the Premier League season. We're interested to see what it's like uh, when the pre-season has a shutdown for a couple of months for the World Cup. And we've still got the Nations League to play in September as well. So that's all to play for as well. Crazy. Yeah, you're right. Crazy you're right. season ahead. Yeah, um, so condensed, so many fixtures could so be mad. Good. And preseason started at like beginning of July as well, so everyone's just playing all year round. It's crazy. I know it's bad. I feel sorry for the players; they didn't, they didn't get much of a break, you know. Yeah, mentally, well, let's let just be yeah. as well. Yeah, mentally, I think that's the most important type of break is mental more than anything. You just need a couple of weeks to switch off completely from football, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. Right, we'll go in alphabetical order so it makes it easier for our audience as well. So, like I said, if you're waiting for Man United. Skip through to the middle. If you're a West Ham fan, <laughs> skip through to the end as well. Um, but no, we're in Aston Villa now. So some yeah. of the major signings for Aston Villa that I've noticed and one of, some of the ones that I'm quite keen to talk about, Felipe Coutinho, permanent signing yep. from Barcelona, 17 million. Mm-hmm. Bubakar Kamara, a player I've loved watching over the last two, three years. He signed for free from Marseille, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be one of the top five signings in the Premier League this season. And they've also got Diego Carlos as well from Sevilla for 26 million. So... MJ, out of the three players mm-hmm. that I've mentioned, who do you yep. think could have the best season um, from all of them, really? Because I know they've signed Olsen and Wilson and Augustinson, mm. but out of the three that our listeners probably want to listen to a bit more of the main big signings that we've gone for, mm. Kamara, Diego Carlos, with the way Gerald plays in a 4-3-1-2 with like basically four centre midfielders, 
I think this is a good, uh, it's going to be a good season for Aston Villa, but who do you think is going to have the best of seasons from the players that I mentioned? Sorry. Uh, you know what? I do like um, Diego Carlos from oh, okay. Sevilla. Quite tough, uncompromising. Um, I think I think he was settling quite well to Premier League football. Yeah. Uh, but um, Kamara, I've heard about him more than actually watched him. So, unfortunately, I can't really give you too much of analysis on Kamara. But I've heard that he's a good player, a good up-and-coming player. But again, to be honest, I haven't watched much in <laughs> league. Uh, so, I've not really seen him that much. But I would say, obviously, Coutinho... Again, excellent deal for Villa. Um, I think he will probably have the standout season uh, out of those three players. Yeah. But yeah, I think Carlos would be a good signing as well. I think he would do good for Villa. Do you reckon Arsenal could have gone in for someone like um, Bubakar Kamara as, a number, as another number six, perhaps, on a free transfer? It, yes, I do. Um, but that's another thing with Arsenal. We, we need to get rid of so many... Our squad is so bloated. We need to get rid of some players. It's still got Elneny. Obviously, still got Partey, still got Torreya, still got Maitland-Niles that all can play uh, in the number six role. Mm. But yeah, I wouldn't want to mind um, Kamara, but obviously we still need to clear the decks a bit. But yeah, I think I reckon that he would have been a decent signing. Definitely. And just a few little facts and stats about Kamara. He's someone who actually had the best passing range in league on last season as well. So ahead of Verratti, ahead of the PSG players, Lyon players, Marseille players, he was one of the ones that actually had one of the best passes and progressive passes in the league as well and also has really good interceptions uh, when you're actually playing and watching him as well he's done he's got the Champions League experience with Marseille he's in the Conference League semi-final last season as well and has made it into the French squad as well so for someone who was mm. on a free transfer you can play centre-back and centre-mid as well we've said previously mm. on this podcast is someone that I've wanted to see at Manchester United but unfortunately Man United don't listen to Friday Night Counter-Attack otherwise they would have signed a couple of players that have gone to other clubs but not Manchester United so this hasn't been good how rude is that? Rude indeed. But Stephen Jarrett's got an absolute <laughs> gem on him um, this season in that centre midfield. I think he's someone that will actually shore up that midfield a lot and actually help in their defence as well. Um, someone that mm. I think would be a, a stronger presence going forward as well. Just um, a quick one on Gerard as well. I think, you know, uh, I think for Kamara, there's no better manager to work under uh, to improve his game. Um, yeah. Even though he might be defensive mid and, you know, Gerard's a bit more box-to-box. But I think he's, he'd be a really good... Um, like teacher for Kamara, and I think he will definitely improve uh, under Gerard. Yeah, because even with Kamara as well, because in the French team, there's ten, there's a tendency to be a lot more space going forward as well. And I've seen mm. a lot when I've been watching him in like French league or uh, Conference league last season as well. He would bomb forward quite a bit. He's got a burst of pace that I think any attacker will be afraid of if you are getting chased by Kamara. So I think it's someone that, like you just said, Steven Gerard will be a perfect teacher for Bubakar Kamara. And for mm, me, yeah, from, from my from my top five signings that I get to pick and some of your top five signings you get to pick, he's in my top five um, signings mm. from our joint top mm. list. So I'm throwing, throwing Bubakar Kamara in there as well. That's cool. No problem. Bournemouth have had a quiet summer so far. Uh, Ryan Fredericks on a free, Joe Rothwell on a free from Blackburn. I think, realistically speaking, just getting Ryan Fredericks in as a free transfer for the newly promoted side is a decent shout because you'll need some backup. You'll need someone who can yeah. play right wing, right mid and right back. And I think Ryan Fredericks mm-hmm. can do that pers- uh, perfectly, I would say. So yep. Not really much to talk about Born, uh, from Bournemouth there. Unfortunately, they got Cantwell in as well, didn't they, unknown? Uh, was that last year? No. Last... Uh, sorry, that was last season. Sorry, my, my mistake, my mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. That was in January, my bad, yeah. Mm. 
And then Brentford, um, they've signed Aaron Hickey from Bologna, the Scottish fullback. So that was a big yep. money signing at 18 million. They've also yep. signed Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. So again, yep. he's another young player coming from Hull. The likes of Jared Bowen has come from Hull from big money and lit up the Premier League. So I really believe that he'll be one of the young players to watch out for the season. Maybe not one of the better young players, but I think he'll be someone who will have it, who will have his moments going forward as well. But for me, my favourite signing from Brentford this season is Thomas Strakoska. I may have butchered his name. Well done. Well but, done. You yeah. did it well, Strakoska. Yep, you did it well. Strakoska, yeah. He was a keeper that I thought Man United should have signed as a backup keeper for David De Gea once Henderson went out on loan to Nottingham Forest because he's been... Not a bad shout. He's been in that Lazio side for a good number of years. He's had that European experience, mm. had that Serie A experience. And for Brentford to get him on a free is a fantastic deal. And I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. how Brentford actually do with uh, Strakoska in goal. Because again, yeah. I think they're not going to have that second syndrome season of being a, a newly promoted club and struggling to go forward. I think they've invested wisely. Young, talented players who they can sell on for profit whilst getting the experience in tr- uh, Strakoska in for free mm. as well. Um, mm. but yeah, any thoughts from yourself from Brentford, MJ? Yeah, the Aaron Aaron Hick, Hickey um, deal, because I, I know Arsenal were rumoured to be interested in him. Um, Scottish left-back at Bologna. Uh, it's interesting, though, because Serie A have been... Um, targeting Scottish players recently. They've been buying quite a few Scottish players. I think... Um, Do you know what it is? Midfielder, Barry Ferguson. Not Barry Ferguson. Someone from Aberdeen. They bought a certain midfielder from Aberdeen as well. Do you know what it is? It's because their wages are cheaper as well and they're easier to true. get them um, over to Syria because when you go from Scotland to Italy, it's more of an appeal than from England to Italy as well. So even though we've seen the likes yes. of Tamori and Abraham go over there, Scotland is a young and up-and-coming breed of new developed talent. So if you're developing in Italy, it will be a bit better than developing in Scotland, I would say, personally. Yeah, no. 100. no and that's no disrespect to the SPL, you know? Definitely but yeah, he was not. an interesting... Now, he was an interesting buy because I know Arsenal was rumoured to be interested in him. Uh, young, up-and-coming, left-back, left midfielder. So I'd be interested to see how he does at uh, Brentford. I think maybe a move to Brentford might be good for him first. Uh, you know, get first-team games get your confidence, get your rhythm in the Premier League. Uh, if he does well there, it wouldn't surprise me if he moves on to, you know, a bigger Premier League team. Absolutely. Because, again, it's one of those things that when you've got the first team experience in the Premier League, the whole world is watching you. So whoever you're of playing course. against, everyone will be scouting for you as well. So mm-hmm. even for me next season, I'll be looking out for Aaron Hickey. I'll be wondering if he's going to be another top fullback from Scotland and the likes of mm-hmm. uh, Kieran Tierney, Andrew Robertson as well. So, Aaron Hickey could be the next one to come through as well, that everyone could Definitely. be looking out for as well. Because now they're Definitely. worth 50, 60 million pounds, if not more. Andrew Robertson was once one of the best left-backs in the world at the time as well. And for mm-hmm. Tottenham. Yeah, and they've all got great left-backs. They've got three left-backs now, so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they all fit them in into their national team. I think Hickey can play right-back as well, so that would be really good to see okay. with his versatility at Brentford with the likes of how they play with their crosses into Tony and Muembu as well. It's going to be really mm-hmm. good to see how they set up for the season going ahead. Again, this isn't really a season yeah, preview. It's more just me and MJ talking about transfers. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so if everyone's listening, we're now on to Brighton. Who, yes. This is more about their outgoing, really. They've lost Yves Basuma to Spurs for 35 yep. million. Last yep. season, they had Moises Saicedo coming into their first team, who was their ready, ready-made replacement um, mm-hmm. in the centre of mid. But realistically speaking, they haven't really signed anyone as of notes. They've signed... No, uh, Encisco, um, they've signed Andingra and they've signed Baker Bote. 
from Porto as well, respectively. Mm-hmm. So there's not really many yeah. major signings, but the way that Brentford no. search for players, they do really good in terms of their scouting recruitment as well. So um, I'm, they kind, do. I'm kind of worried about them. special. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of worried about them going forward, like with the money that they've, they've won from Bissouma, they've earned from Bissouma as well. Who do you think they should they could have gone for in the Premier League? Do you reckon there was anyone really out there that would have been up for a uh, trip to Brighton, Andrew? What's that as a replacement for Bissouma? Uh, Bissouma. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tough one, to be fair. Um... So I was struggling with this as well. I thought they could have gone for someone like James Garner on loan from Man United. But he's gone to maybe spot. no, he's still at the yeah. club actually. But it's, it would have been someone that would have been pretty good as well. Even someone like him, Torreira, mm. who's still at the club at Arsenal, that could have been a nice little shrewd signing as well. Or maybe Maitland Niles, possibly. I don't know if, if what the situation is, but he could might have been a decent player to play at DM to replace Basuma. Yeah, he would have got that guaranteed first team football as well, Maitland Niles. Well, yeah, he would have struggled at Roma last season even though they won the conference he barely got a game mostly on the bench mm-hmm. Mourinho at Roma. <laughs> yeah yeah, that's true you know it's funny because he did want to play right back for Arsenal and he went to Roma and ended up kind playing, of playing right back right back as well what so there you go I know yeah. grass isn't always greener in Rome Ainsley, no you're Harris. right you're right there you're right there didn't happen for him um, but yeah next we're on to Chelsea Mm-hmm. Chelsea have killed it. They've absolutely killed it so far with the summer signings that they've made. Two of mm. them in particular, Kalidou Koulibaly for 33 million to Napoli. There are people questioning his age, questioning if he can mm. win the Premier League. But I think he's been one of the top talented centre-backs over the last five, ten years in world football. I think he's been fantastic. And I think mm-hmm. when you see the likes of Thiago Silva and Koulibaly as a centre-back pairing, maybe with someone like... Um, Chalabar as well. That is mm. a site no attack wants to see when they're facing. No, I agree. I agree. What are you yeah, no, the Bali. Sorry. No, f- no, I think it's a good signing. Um, you know, there's been rumored about him coming to the Premier League for a good few years now. Mm. Um, it'd be good to see him in the Premier as well. I've, I've watched uh, a bit of him at Napoli. You know, very good defender, good reader of the ball, very strong. It's got a bit of everything to be fair. Um, so that's not a bad replacement for Christiansen, who um, at Old Rudiger, yeah. either one. Um, yeah, no, can't. I think that he's going to be a top class centre back for Chelsea. I'm not going to play three at the back, but I think him and Thiago Silva will no, definitely strike up a good uh, relationship in the heart of the defence for Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. And if Kuli Bali is going to be the next centre back, top centre-back for the next two, three years at Chelsea even. That would do do them the world of good. They've got the likes of Chalover developing, uh, Carwell yep. developing as well. So they've got some young, talented players um, actually coming through, which will be really, really good to see. But one of the yep, main definitely. transfer sagas we've seen this summer <laughs> yep. was Romelu Lukaku. So obviously he's finally got his move out to Inter Milan. He finally yep. got it to go back to Milan where he wanted to go. Basically, Rob yep. Chelsea of 90 million because it looks like he's going to go there on loan and then come back again. What is going on with Chelsea and with their strikers? Do they just never buy strikers ever again, MJ? Because Diego Costa, Drogba are the exceptions that I've seen, and Elka to an extent at the same time. But realistically yep. speaking, it's never worked out with the number nines at Chelsea. And Romelu Lukaku just joined that club, unfortunately. Yeah. I, thought he was a, I thought last season he was going to be the signer of the season. And I was so wrong. I was absolutely wrong. And I'll hold my hands up to that. That was really bad on my part because I thought Lukaku, 
under Tuchel would have been fantastic. It was just not the, the best match possible for Chelsea. But yeah, MJ, what can Chelsea do to actually replace a striker? Do they have to keep getting these wingers type strikers come in to play in the system? How would you do it if you had the choice at Chelsea? You know what? First of all, as well, I have to hold my hand up and eat humble pie with Lukaku as well. Because last year, I oh, guessed him up. And after that, you know, he'll be the signing that will, you know, push Chelsea to challenge City and uh, and Liverpool. And it just, after a bright start, it just didn't happen at all. And I, predict, interview, I predicted Chelsea were going to win the league because of Lukaku signing. So, yeah, now I have to watch what my word is about now because my word is now everything. <laughs> it's a sacred word now. You, you don't Your reputation's on the line. The podcast reputation's on the line. My reputation's on the line. I said some silly things last season. And <laughs> Lukaku, you were one of them. So I'm not happy about that at all. Another one we're going to get onto later in the podcast as well. But mm-hmm. realistically speaking, MJ, do Chelsea just play without strikers now? Just play with a false nine, three false nines. Let's see how it goes. You could them. do. Mm-hmm. You could do. And the thing is, it wouldn't surprise me. And it would make them very unpredictable they're all quick technical players. Yep. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And the set, the set there. Sorry, the uh, signing of Sterling as well. That kind of surprised me. I didn't. I was well. Whoa, only forty-seven million as well. I know only had one year left on his contract, but that I think that was a good signing. Um, will he be Kulibar better? Really at, good signing. Will he be better at Chelsea or will he be better at Man City and Liverpool? Do you, are we going to see another level to Raheem Sterling being the main man now? at Chelsea. Why well, I think he's going to be the main man in the attack for Chelsea. Hmm. Possibly. You know what? I think he would, I think he's um, at that age now where he can take that responsibility of being the main man on his shoulders. Uh, for me, he's definitely a world-class player. I know a lot of uh, people doubt him, but if you look at the Euros last year for England, like, for me, they only got two world-class players in the squad and that's Sterling and Kane. And he carried England through that group stage up until the goal finals until... Harry Kane showed up and starts getting, uh, scoring a few goals. Finally. Uh, finally, yeah, mm. exactly. But yeah, no, I think Sterling will be a good signing for them. And if they do play like a front three of him, Werner and, and Havertz, it's such a different mix of qualities in all of them. And I think Sterling can definitely, I think he's got the quality to step up and be the main man at Chelsea. Yeah, it's a much better version than Christian Pulisic on that left wing. So if they did want to play Havertz through exactly. the middle one, Sterling on the left, that's still perfectly fine. But if they mm-hmm. do want to play Sterling and Havertz as both flo- floating strikers, I think it'll be fantastic as well with Mount behind them. There's so many possibilities with Raheem Sterling in this Chelsea side that as a Man United fan, I'm quite scared to see when Man United are facing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Having Maguire, Varane against the likes of Raheem Sterling, Havertz, I think that this is a finally a team where I think Chelsea can actually get behind us because Raheem mm. Sterling stretches the play. He stretches defence. He's a fantastic sign-in for Chelsea. One of the best I've seen Chelsea sign for years. And yep. like you said as well, a world-class player. I've said mm-hmm. it for a number of years, Raheem Sterling scoring the goals that he's scored. I mean, only Messi and Aguero scored more goals under Pep Guardiola's tenure than Raheem Sterling did, which is amazing. Absolutely it is. Amazing. And I'm really excited to see, not from a Man United perspective, from a new perspective, <laughs> how well yeah. Raheem Sterling can play. Because he was a Pep roulette mm. merchant last season. He was mm-hmm. getting rotated in and out to the team. I personally thought he would have been a fantastic player to keep with Sterling, um, with yeah. Haaland, with Alvarez, with Foden all together. I thought he would have been I a agree. key player next season, but Man City thought otherwise. And I think this is yep. Chelsea's gain. And I think it's a really good signing from Chelsea and a really smart one from Thomas Tuchel. If this is Thomas Tuchel signing, I think he's done very well 
to get a player like Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Under £50 million. Pounds. Brilliant signing. Definitely. Well, from what I've heard two people say, he's, apparently he was Chelsea's number one target, so... Ooh. Glad it wasn't Ronaldo. Yeah. They, would, they wouldn't... They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't have liked Ronaldo at Chelsea. They would not have liked the way... It would have been like a, <laughs> another number nine that wouldn't have worked well for them. Oh, oh, but yeah, good. Sterling's yeah. in my top five um, choices I'm going to pick for my top five signings of the season so far. Um, yeah, I would have said that as well. That's a good choice. Right, is in, is in the list. Should, should you throw Koulibaly mm-hmm. in there for the sake of it? Yeah, go on then. Go, go on, on then. Go on so then. far, I think he's definitely been one of the best defenders, uh, yeah. signings, like defender-wise. Defender-wise, I would say as well. It's been fantastic mm. to see. And again, someone I'm not really looking forward to seeing, Marshall Rashford and Sancho versus Koulibaly and Thiago Silva. <laughs> you never know you never know experience normally beats out the the youthful exuberance as well so hopefully I'm wrong and Man United actually win but mm. we'll see how it you goes you never know yeah you never know you never yeah. know Hams definitely right Crystal Palace um, they've signed Czech Decore from Lens for £21 million pounds. is a player mm-hmm. that I need to do a bit more research on so likewise yeah it's someone that I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more so I'm, I didn't watch the preseason game against Crystal Palace in full so I'm not going to pretend like I know um, mm. Sam Johnson for a free transfer. I think that's a really good signing. Yep. He yep, can actually I challenge Goeta for that number one spot, and he's got that mm-hmm. Premier League experience as well. Obviously, for yep. England backup keeper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, simple as that. We can move on to the next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everton, no problem. That's fine. Everton. Everton. James Tarkovsky on a free. Um, yep. Great business. Probably should have gone two, three years ago, I'd say, but great business to sign yep. him. Richarlison. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Richarlison more when he gets okay. to Spurs. But That's fine. Why have they not spent the money that they've got from the sixty million? Is it because of the stadium that they're looking at building, uh, the new stadium that they're looking at building? Is it because Lampard doesn't know who to replace with uh, Richarlison with? What is going on at Everton? Because I'm quite worried about their safety again for another season. I would love to see them go down. Don't get me wrong, but I'm quite worried. <laughs> Frank Lampard gone to two or three big clubs and has had so much money to spend on transfers he tends to get it right but he doesn't execute the plan very well so MJ what can you kind of tell us from your point personal yeah. thoughts yeah I obviously this is just right. um, obviously I'm just looking this is just like a, an opinion that I'm not ever a fan or I'm not a Liverpool fan you know I'm just an outsider looking in mm. I agree with you at the moment um, it does look worrying for Lampard uh, you know I you know what? There's the part of me because when he's at Chelsea, I think there's a part of me that said it was kind of unfairly, unfairly treated at Chelsea because he done pretty well in that first season when they had no, they could make no signings, mm-hmm. and he got in full, he got into the top four with no signings, and he done really well. Okay, the second season was a bit different because they spent a lot of money on like Werner and Ziyech and a few other players, but I think when they sacked him, he still wasn't miles away from top four, and you know. When you got um, players at the quality that Chelsea had at that time, it doesn't take much to go on a run and pull it back. Everton, he's done well to keep them up last year. Um, that game against Crystal Palace was the one that kept them up. Crazy game. They're losing 2-0. And the Goodison Park, the fans just were the 12th man and they dragged them back into it. Um, but yeah, I am kind of worried at the moment for Everton. Uh, I think they, will, I think in time they will spend that money from Richarlison. I'm not sure about their setup there. If they've got like a director of football, Marcel Brand, I think it's meant to be there, Ferrer Mashreri. Mm. I'm not quite sure what's going on, who actually does the buying of the players. Are they all in agreement? I'm not quite sure. 
So maybe that's just another thing that I'm just looking out from the outside. Obviously, the Evertonian might be to tell me a lot better. But it just seems a bit like I'm not sure what's going on over there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're an Everton fan listening to our podcast, get in touch with us because we could use you on the podcast and we could we could learn yeah. a bit or two about Everton as well. So it'll be good 100%. to hear from, hear from you guys as well. Fulham Football Club. Um, Louis, one of our editors, is a Fulham fan. So, Louis, you're back in the Premier League with Fulham. <laughs> he was there at Craven Cottage celebrating their promotion. So, nice um, one. needs to be done. And I think they've signed two decent midfielders. I think Paulina from Sporting Lisbon was a fantastic centre defensive midfielder signing because they lost Seri and they lost Zambo and Griza last, um, well, this summer, actually. They both uh, oh. left the club and uh, Fabio Carvalho um, left for Liverpool as well. But mm. Salim Paulina from Sporting Lisbon, who were champions not last season, but the season four, he was a mm-hmm. big, big player for them in that centre defensive mid. So if we're going, if we're going from the former Portuguese champions who's had mm. Champions League experience to Fulham, whoever got that sign in that Fulham deserves a raise because I believe he's going to be one of the most <laughs> underrated. Yeah, honestly, one of the most underrated signings we're going to see in the Premier League mm. season is Jao Paulina. I think he's still good mm-hmm. enough to play for like a top six club. I reckon Man City could have got him if they didn't go for Calvin Phillips. That's how good I think Paulina would have been with the way that he plays. The other Fair midfield, enough. The other midfielder signing they've signed, Andres Pereira, Man United. Yeah. Um, just never really got a decent run out in, at Manchester United. Probably half a season, one season, half a season, another season. Didn't really do that great. Realistically speaking, it was time for him to go because he kept getting mm-hmm. loaned out, loaned out, loaned out. It's like mm. 24, 25 now. So he deserves yeah. to be in a team where he actually gets to play I think Southampton would have been another good opportunity for him to get first-team centre-midfield football as well. But realistically speaking, if he's going to be playing at Fulham, hopefully he's going to be playing in a creative aspect where we get to see uh, Andres Pereira flourish because he didn't really flourish yeah. at Man United. Only in pre-season where every Man United fan used to call him pre-season Perlo. But... <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't heard that one myself, but I, I believe you. I don't, I don't really get it. It's basically, he'd score like bangers and he'd be playing really good in pre-season on the Van Gaal, on the Mourinho, on the Solskjaer. But he just never got anywhere near the first team when all the no. first team players were back as well. And un- unfortunately, it just wasn't the case. But I'll still remember Pereira for that one night in Paris when he actually did really well in centre mid with Fred and McTominay going forward. But I think Fulham have made some decent signings so far. I think they'll probably need another attacker or two because Mitrovic, as we all know, does amazing in the championship. In the championship. He, is, he is the guy that runs the championship every damn season. But when it comes yep. to the Premier League, four, five, six goals in a season, maybe. Struggles against tougher opposition. Definitely I does. Um, I agree. And I have to give a shout out to Paul and Bantam member Sig because uh, the last time Fulham was in the Premier League, he said that, you know, Mitrovic can score like 10 goals from January into the end of the season and that didn't happen. We were <laughs> telling him at the time that, no, like he would, if it was a championship, then yeah, he'll do it, but not in the Premier League. And yeah. Broke a record last season, I think, for top goal scorer as well. In the, in he scored a crazy amount of goals, didn't he? What, 40 odd yeah. goals, didn't he? 40 odd goals, insane mm. home and away, just killing it for Furman. Mm-hmm. They need a proper Premier League proven striker. I reckon they could have gone in yeah. for someone that even someone like Mitty, Mitchie Batchway from Chelsea going to Fulham would have been another mm-hmm. decent backup option as well. Someone to actually challenge yeah, him. I agree. Maybe to work. Yeah, I agree in that. Time. Yeah, no, I'll agree if that's a good shout. Decent, decent. Um, I'm going to put Paulina in my top five. I'm keeping him in okay. my list as well. That's See fine. The guy. Leeds United. Wow. Jesse <sighs> Marsh has been going back to the USA for shopping yes. via Salzburg, yep. via Leipzig. He's been going for some of these players that you think, you know what, how the hell are they going to Leeds United after just surviving in the Premier League last season? 
a team I wanted to, to see them go down as well. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted these to get relegated. I won't lie to you. I thought it would be one of those cool things where we would be in for Rafinha. We would be in for Calvin Phillips. But they survived. Phillips went and Rafinha went. Mm-hmm. And none of them came to Man United. So that, that theory didn't work for me at all. Um, no. Tyler Adams, Aronson, yep. Rocker, Sinistra. Christensen. Christensen from Salzburg as well. My, Rocker from Bayern. Rocker from Bayern as well. Great squad player for mm. Bayern. Hopefully we'll be playing a bit more for Leeds United. But my big gripe mm. with Leeds United is have they spent in the right areas? Tyler Adams, centre defence in mid, someone who can actually play the game properly. Probably going to be a starter for the USA at the World Cup. Probably going to be the main replacement mm. for Calvin Phillips as well. Brendan Aronson, mm-hmm. attacking midfielder, created spot for RB Salzburg. Where does he fit into this little system from um, Jesse Marsh as well? Is he going to be the attacking midfielder? Sure. Wings? Lots of mm. question marks for this team, but I honestly, from outside in, I'm really excited by the signings Leeds United have made. It's just about if they can all fit into the system properly because Leeds United system isn't any old system. It's going to be this death ball system and murder ball system. And however Leeds United want to play, these players have to be up and running for it. I know uh, Luis Sinestra will be up for it. I think he's a quality winger. I think mm, it's someone, yeah. someone who we should be looking out for this season coming up as well. But I personally, just from what I would know, I know Tyler is a fantastic centre defence mid. And I think uh, going from Leipzig, Champions League football to Leeds because of the manager, because of the way that they're playing, big and bold move from Tyler Adams as well. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts yeah. on the signings for Leeds United? Yeah, you know what? To be fair, just like you, it's interesting to see how a lot of these players are going to fit in. But you know what? To be fair, because they've done a lot of their... Um, like signings early, it gives them a good chance to get them in a pre-season, work with them, work on the system. I'm not sure how Jesse March, I think he's going to come away from that man-to-man pressing that Bielsa was doing. So it be interesting to see um, a lot of these players and how they fit in. Like you, I think um, Sinistera, I think it'd be a good acquisition for Leeds. I've yeah. seen a bit of him at Feyenoord, um, tricky winger. He yeah. could be good in the Premier League. Uh, interesting to see Mark Rocco as well, how he, how he gets on, whether he's going to play DM or they're going to put Tyler Adams there. I'm not sure. Because Tyler Adams is quite versatile. They can play right back or right wing back, centre mid. So he'd be interesting. No, it's definitely interesting to see how all of these players do fit in and how March is going to have their, their team set up for the season ahead. This is what I wanted Ralph Ragnick to do last season in January, going back to one of his old clubs in the RB. Uh, divisions as well, RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig, and just raid them. But he didn't. And this is what Jesse Marsh did. Went to Salzburg twice and Leipzig once. And it's going to be good for him as well because he's actually getting players that know the system that Jesse Marsh wants to play and is going to be playing that brand of football that the RB teams play as well. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how these bunch of players come into the Premier League, how they actually do going forward as well. One player that I am kind of going to miss, not particularly, is Rafinha. Because Rafinha, obviously, going from uh, Leeds United all the way to Barcelona. I mean, unless I'm not going to be watching Syria, but if he's going to be in the Champions League, it'll be good to see him play with the amount of attack, attack and talent Barcelona actually have. I think that's a great sell to go to Barcelona because if he went to one of the Premier League rivals on a Leeds perspective, they would have hated that. Rafinha and Phillips leaving to play at different Premier League levels, I think they waited for that Barcelona sale. Um, but what are your thoughts as an Arsenal fan missing out on Rafinha, MJ? You got it about it or just going to move on from it? 
Yeah, got it, to be honest. Uh, I think it'd be a good signing for Arsenal. Um, him, Saka, rotation. They can rotate him on the other side with Martinelli. I think he'd be a really good player. Towards the end of the season, he showed up for Leeds and he's one of the reasons why they are still in the Premier League, to be honest. So I think he's a really good signing. Got a lot of heart to go with his technical quality. So yeah, I think it'd be a good signing for Barca. Whether they will play him as much as he would expect, maybe, I don't know. Because they've got quite a lot of those uh, wing forwards, and they've got Lewandowski now there, Aubameyang, Ferran you know, Torres, um, Ferran Torres. Yeah, they've still got loads of players there, so remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm definitely glad that he moved to Barca instead of coming to Arsenal. Definitely. Better him go to Chelsea though. Yeah, if he went to Chelsea, I would have been quite, quite even worse. Yeah, yeah I'd have been it, so upset with that. Imagine a front three of Rafinha, Havertz, and Sterling. That would be scary Don't. for anyone. That's anyone taking anyone in the Premier. That's taking a mick. That's, that's taking a mick. That's, that's not that's, fair. That, <laughs> That really, that really isn't fair on my day. It's not. It's it not. Isn't. Nah. Like, thank God that didn't happen. Thank God that didn't happen. I agree with you 100%. Right. Let's move on to Leicester, who have signed absolutely yep. no one. So we can skip Leicester. So we're perfect. Oh, never mind. By, Poor, by the way, uh, um, Tyler Brandon. Adams is in my top uh, five list. I do have okay. Tyler Adams. So I'm going to keep him in there. Right. We're, cool. moving on, we're moving on to Liverpool. And we're mm-hmm. going to be talking, first of all, about one of their greatest ever attacking players, Sadio Mane, leaving for Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sad. First thoughts, MJ. What are you thinking about it? No, generally, I'm quite sad to see him leave. It's always bad, oh, sad to see like a top quality player from the Premier League leave mm. to go to another country. Uh, I always rate him uh, highly. I'm not saying that he's better than um, Salah, but I rate him so highly. I think he was there before Salah. He got the ball rolling, the pressing from the front, but even before Salah was there. You know, I do rate him really highly and it's a shame that, um, you know, Liverpool couldn't get that contract sued with him. Uh, obviously, I know Salah signed an extension. But now it's sad to see um, him leave. And obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I might be scored a hat-trick against Arsenal, I think, for Southampton. I think, I believe it's one of the quickest hat-tricks in Premier League history. I might be that, wrong. That was against Aston Villa, Southampton. Oh, it was that Villa? Oh, thank God. That's right. It wasn't against Villa, Oh, thank God. That's right there. But I know he has scored a few goals against Arsenal in his time, whether he's at um, Southampton or Liverpool. He's definitely a quality player. So it's sad to see like such a good player leave uh, the Premier League. This is one of the big topics I want to talk about on this podcast. Have Liverpool genuinely replaced Sadio Mane? Because I personally think they haven't. You can get in Luis Diaz in January and think one is going to be one of the best players. But the way that Sadio Mane played for the last six years at Liverpool, I think he was there for, was incredibly mm. consistent. He did so well. Maybe not in that lockdown season when he was missing a bit of confidence, kind of like a lot of players as well. But the fact that Sadio Mane has now gone on to become this world beater, one of the best players in world football, he could be the African player of the year. He could be even be a contender for the Ballon d'Or. Have Liverpool genuinely mm-hmm. replaced him with Darwin Nunes going forward? Because I was a big fan of Darwin Nunes before he moved to Liverpool. Obviously, I, I love watching him at Benfica. But Sadio Mane going for £35 million to buy Munich. I think Liverpool still need two more attacking players to recover what Sadio Mane actually brought to Liverpool. His pressing, his dribbling ability, his big game ability as well. He was a player that I'd be watching him against like Man City and I'd be like, damn, he's good against Man City or damn, he's good against mm. Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United because he would do that. He was mm. part of their Champions League winning side as well as part of the one that yeah. lost in Paris against Real Madrid. Genuinely, mm-hmm. I think Liverpool still need two more attacking players because I know you've got Firmino, I know you've got Jota, but are you going to hang your hat on Firmino for another two, three years? From an outside perspective, I wouldn't. But being a Man United fan, I'm probably just kind of there like, oh yeah, Liverpool are fine. They're cool with it. But 
realistically speaking, having another proper world-class uh, winger with Darwin Nunes, maybe another attacking midfielder as well. Maybe Carvalho could be the answer in a couple of years, but another attacking midfielder, mm. another winger can play probably both sides as well. It would be quite good to see how um, Liverpool are going to carry on over the summer because genuinely, I think they still need one more player, uh, two more players to be in this attacking side for next season, especially with them going for the Champions League, them going for all the trophies yet again. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that, MJ? You know what? It's kind of funny because I thought from January, like the second half of last season, mm. I thought that their attack, like in terms of quality and the amount of players they got, I thought their attack was better than Man City's. Now looking at it, after Mane's left, even though I do rate Diaz highly and I think he's done so well since he's come in January, and I Brilliant think funny. in time he will replace Mane, maybe not quite straight away, but saying that, look how well he's done since he's come in January, so... You know what, if he starts starting that left-hand side and uh, to replace Mane and has a really good season, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I'm kind of in two minds with that one, what you're saying. Because, yeah, I do agree, maybe they need one more winger that can play like both sides. But I think that their attack is still pretty strong, to be fair. Uh, we've still got Jar, still got Diaz, Firmino, Salah still there. You know, Salah's guaranteed 30 goals a season, all comps. So, possibly, but I'm not... I wouldn't be, if I was a Liverpool fan, I wouldn't be too worried because he's still got like Harvey Elliott that can come in and, and do bits as well. Mm. Uh, Cavalio as well, like he said from Fulham. So maybe, but personally, I'd be looking more at the midfield area uh, if I was Liverpool. Per- that's just my personal opinion opinion okay. on that one. I'd look for more of a number eight. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Another number eight. I know Cavalio could play there as well, but mm. maybe someone like Yuri Tillemans would have been a good answer for him because he's looking at making his way out of of uh, Leicester City as well and he's someone that mm-hmm. I wanted to see kind of go on to a bigger club this summer as well and Yuri Tillemans is someone that I think would be great at Man United as a De Jong alternative we'll get onto that later on um, mm. but realistically speaking if Tillemans Tillemans, Thiago and Fabinho in the midfield what a midfield that would be that would be you incredible. know I agree with you because initially I wanted him to come to Arsenal to be fair Tillemans when I was you know like towards the end of last season and beginning of the preseason I was like yeah Tillemans get Tillemans get Tillemans he's an upgrade on the Xhaka yeah. especially if we're going to play that 4-3-3 and him as a number 8 and like I was saying to you earlier about Xhaka in the final three, he doesn't quite have that passing range and the mobility where Tillemans can drive with the ball very good passing he's I think very one good of the at, best he's very good at resisting the press as well he's really good at that yes mm-hmm. which is um, important um, key for Arsenal like important structure he needs someone that can fit in that system so personally I would have been happy with him over uh, Vieira but now we've got Vieira and now we're getting in Zinchenko I can't really see I can't, I can't see a place for um, Tiedemans at the moment which is a shame because I do like him as a player and I think he's a good player as well yeah definitely and then now on to Darwin Nunes Liverpool's mm-hmm. um, groundbreaking attacking signing 85 million I think they've confirmed for him as well earlier this summer as well Someone who mm. I really wanted at Man United. I thought it would be a fantastic mm. striker to have seen um, at Old Trafford. But unfortunately, if I do see him at Old Trafford, it will be in a Liverpool kit. So I'm not really happy about that. Because um, <laughs> I've been watching him since his Almera days when he was going from Almera to Benfica, playing in the Champions League. He made a big impact last season in the Champions League against the likes of Bayern Munich, against the likes of Ajax, Eric Ten Hag's Ajax, I might say as well, mm. um, against Lisandro Martinez, who was one of our signings. So... Fun times ahead for Man United fans against Arsenal. <laughs> not, yes. not, not the one for me, but everyone no. is getting onto some of these players that are in preseason so, so early. And I've never been a fan of that. Whatever happens in preseason, it's all about the fitness. It's all about 
get the team cohesion together. It's not about mm-hmm. if they miss a chance, if they miss the header, if they're not fitting no. with the team yet. He's still got to set with the language barrier. He's still got to understand what the coach wants from him. He's still got to settle with what his teammates want. I still got to settle with how he's going to be in this new side because he's no longer mm-hmm. the main man like he was at Benfica. He's no longer mm-hmm. going to be the, the focal point. You're going to have Salah on one mm-hmm. side. You're going to have Diaz one side. Maybe Jossa in the team as well at the same time for me mm-hmm. or somewhere else. Darwin Nunes will be a success at Liverpool Football Club. It's just a matter of time. But I think mm-hmm. it's been one of the better signings Liverpool have made in attack that they could have done. It's probably the best one, I would say, because he's someone, again, press resistant, is strong, very nimble Fast. on the ball, mm-hmm. really good at dribbling as well for a tall guy as mm-hmm. well. So he's someone that, Fast dribbling can finish off a goal every now and then from all parts of the yep. body. It's 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 quite scary looking at Liverpool, like you said. Even though I'm thinking they need one or two more players, that starting eleven of um, starting front three actually Diaz, Nunes, Salah mm. looks very strong. Yeah, it is. I agree. Class. I agree with you on that. Um, I'm gonna have Nunes one of my top five transfers for the Premier League. I think you do good. I think he's a good player. His um, characteristics to the Premier League as well, mm. and he's something different that Liverpool don't have. Like I was saying for Arsenal, if you to get like a traditional number nine, bit of a target man, he's quite tall, he's good in the air, he's fast, he does a bit of everything. Yeah. So I think that yeah, I think it'd be a good signing for Liverpool. Because there's also someone that can play off the wing as well, so he can play off the wing, and he has played sometimes in a false nine for Benfica as well. So to see him do that at Benfica, Jurgen Klopp knew he could actually mm. bring in him with the play that he has been playing at Benfica as well which is quite worrying for the rest of the league. Yeah, no, I think he suits he suits the Klopp um, yeah. playing style of the false nine and Firmino, like how he used to drop off and then allow space for runners from wide. So, yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. I think he definitely suits Liverpool system. Right. And now, it can mix it up better. Yeah, definitely. I've got a question for you now, MJ. This is going to be... Go ahead. ...the moneymaker. Haaland yes. or Nunes? Who's scoring more next season for you? Uh, Haaland. Why Haaland? He's just a beast, man. He'll just finish like, especially playing at City, man. All those like get to the byline and cut back. He'll be to be there all the time. Like, see, like a good thing, a thing with City as well. Like, I know, like looking at it initially, you think, I don't know, does he really suit City's style of play? Because at Dortmund, he was just like a pure number nine, lost man on the shoulder, play it through, and he's in there. Or if they get the ball down the wings, get it into the box again, he's in there. I think with City, he, he'll be able to make City less predictable sometimes. I know they do like to play through the furs and into the pockets and get these triangles and work it out wide and cut backs to the six-yard box to score goals. And I just think that he's going to finish all of those chances. You said something very useful there, playing from out wide. The likes mm. of Bernardo Silva dropping back in that half space, De Bruyne half space, Cancelo half space, Walker half space. Everyone, I'm saying half space for a reason because when you're mm-hmm. in that midfield and you need someone to just whip a ball in, you got four of the, one of the better crosses in the top six that you've got. Kevin De Bruyne, probably the number one crosser in the Premier League. It's about to say that. Six foot four, six foot five, Erling Haaland for 50 million pounds, getting you 10 goals from a header or from a first time cross. Mm. It's going to work out really well, not just in the Premier League, yeah. but obviously in European football. And it adds mm. another dimension to what, like you just said earlier, Man City kind of needed. They kind of needed mm. that against Real Madrid last season. They kind of needed that in the Premier League in some of the uh, struggling games that they had. And against Agreed. some of the bigger teams that have the different style of play. I know Burnley aren't in the Premier League next season. <laughs> thank, God, thank God we don't want to go to the South more I think when we, when we done that episode last year talking about relegation, I was saying, yeah, Burnley's the one I think that I wouldn't mind going down. I want Leeds to stay up, but yeah, yeah Burnley, they can go. Sorry, Bad. Burnley fans. 
I'm I'm glad it happened. I don't think anybody yeah. has listened to our podcast. I think we're all right. I can say what we do want to say then. No, I'm joking. Exactly, exactly. Now, even for me, I think Erling Haaland will score more than Darwin Nunes next season because mm. of the support system he has around him from the other 10 players, including Edison. Mm. Long ball from mm-hmm. Edison up to Haaland, control it. Turn Ben Me from Brent. Gone. Gone. Yep. Crazy. Gone. No one's no one's stopping him. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Calvin Phillips to uh, Manchester City as well? Because I think that's the signing that with the five subs that Premier League is going to have next season is a very useful signing because he's replacing Fernandinho to an extent, but he's also going to be someone who can actually start alongside Rodri in that midfield. He can break forward and he can influence play further forward in the in the attack as well. What are your thoughts on Calvin Phillips? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have, add him to the top five signings as well. I think that's a really good signing to be honest. And for only 45 mil, I think, if I'm not correct. Yeah. Really, if you look at the um quotes from last season when he, apparently United was interested in him, they're talking about 70 to 80 million pounds. So now a year later, after Man playing United. the Euros final, yeah, yeah, Man, yeah, that's true. Man United tax, that's true. <laughs> but if uh, compared to a year later, uh, after playing the Euros final for England, okay, his Premier League season was the best, had a lot of injuries. But I think he's a really good player. I think I think he's an awesome player, actually. I think his passing is really good. He can break forward, as we saw for England in the Euros, where he let left right to sit a bit more, and he went a bit more forward and bumped up. He's got the energy. He can press under Bielsa. That press is mad, so he will suit um, Guardiola, you know, because they love to counter-press if they lose the ball and try and get the ball back as soon as they can. So I think he's a really good fit. Uh, also helps their quota for English players as well for City, but I don't think he's there because of um, his nationality. I think he deserves to be there. And I think he's a really good player. Definitely there are merit and someone that I'm looking to mm. in a lot more going forward in top tier Champions League football, which I think Gavin Phillips has deserved since the year. Yeah, I agree. Seen him properly as well. Um, yeah, I think he deserves to say Champions League football uh, after his um, exploits last summer with England. Right. One last question on Man City before we move on. It's cool. Haaland, Alvarez, Grealish, Foden, Mares to an extent. Mm. Is that going to be enough for their attack next season to secure a league title, secure a Champions League maybe? Or are they still missing one more piece of that puzzle? That's a tough one. Uh, when you lose Jesus and when you lose Sterling, you're losing a lot of pace, a lot of mm. variety in their, in their play as well. And goals. Goals and versatility as well. Mm. Mm. You know what? Uh, I think it could be enough, you know. You know, I think um, Haaland, I think he could be the difference for City in the Champions League. He could be. If you used to see that game against Real Madrid, which they were very, very unlucky. I don't know how they got knocked out, yeah. But it was in the stars that Real Madrid would knock out PSG, knock out Chelsea, knock out City and beat Liverpool in the finals in the stars. It was their year. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I think they had quite a lot of chances in that game, City, and they could have killed, killed off um, Real Madrid in that second leg and it didn't quite happen but I think Holland could make a difference for them in those type of games where they seem to sometimes not take their chances as efficiently as they should but yeah I think yeah you know I'm not going to doubt City like after last year thinking that they need to replace Aguero and they won the league and they got to the semi-final Champions League so yeah I think that what they've got is probably enough to be fair and I think you're going to see a bit more of Greenish this year as well Yeah, I think he's going to step up I always say when Man United, uh, Man City make a signing, you watch out for their new players in the second season. Cancelo took it in the second season. Mahrez took it in his second season. Have, uh, Jesus took it in his second season. When you look at them in their second season, Gabriel Jesus, um, prime example as well, like I said, kind of came in that January, did quite well, got a couple of goals. 
next season became a focal point in their attack, playing rather as a striker or as a winger, almost pushing Sergio Guerra out of the team completely. Jack Grealish will be exactly the same. Maybe not as a false nine, but coming off from that left wing where Pep Guardiola loves to play him. Watch out for Jack Grealish next season because next season will be his season, especially with a World Cup year coming up, especially with him competing against the likes of Foden, Sterling for that one position uh, on the wing as well going forward. So, Watch out for Jack Grealish. Yeah, good. I agree. 100% love. Yeah, we made this point in our uh, uh, podcast as well that Man City, like their players, sometimes takes them a year just to get used to what Pep wants from them. And I think, yeah, this year, Grealish, you're going to see a different Grealish. I agree. And the thing is, it becomes normal for them over the season and that's how it will be scary for everyone yes. else in, in the league as well, which will be yeah. absolutely crazy. What can you do, eh? What can we do? Right, if you, if you scroll to this part of the podcast, you'll know that we are finally at the Manchester United point of view. So you're going to be listening to me talking mostly about Christian Eriksen because Malassi has been a fantastic <laughs> signing. Uh, he was great in the Conference League last season for Feyenoord. Another nice little... Yeah, decent little player. Mm, young player. Yeah, there's someone that I think will be making an appearance for the Netherlands at the Euros next, um, next November as well, which will be quite mm-hmm. good for him to see. Lisandro Martinez is a fantastic player that I've really enjoyed watching in the Champions League last season. I don't watch Eredivisie, but I was watching him in the Champions no. League over the last couple of years. He has played as a holding midfielder, but seeing him as a centre-back, a left centre-back is what we've needed for quite a long time, NJ. We've needed someone who has the uh, passing angles available. Something that Harry Maguire does quite well is he does do... Uh, long-range passing quite well. He does distribute quite well. So having someone like Lisandro Martinez next to him or competing against him works really well as a Man United point of view because you have someone who can generally come in, make a difference and isn't scared to make a tackle, isn't scared to actually change the game going forward as well. He likes to get an assist every now and then. He does chip in with goals every now and then as well. But the main thing Ten Hag likes is when the defenders actually move into midfield to create um, an overflow of players. Overload. It makes it so much easier for them. So it's going to be a lot easier um, to see Lisandro Martinez settle into this team. But for me personally, I am really excited about the signing of Christian Eriksen. Um, when he was at Spurs, he's one of my favourite neutral players to watch. He's someone who I've really enjoyed over the years. The fact that he's come back from, uh, obviously, that, that cardiac arrest uh, for the Denmark team back in the year 2020 was awful. But the fact that he's come back and he's come back into professional football at Brentford mm-hmm. was... Mm-hmm. So inspiring. Good to see. Yeah, it was good to see. Inspirational. And the best thing about it was he didn't just come in and make up the squad numbers. He came in and he came in with so many creative chances as well. So when he came into the side, only Odegaard and Kevin De Bruyne created more chances since Ericsson's debut back in February as well. And he was someone it's not that a bad I'm step. Like, not a bad start at all. I think he's an mm. upgrade on Paul Pogba. I think he's going to be someone who's actually going to be challenging Bruno Fernandes in that number 10 position. And Bruno Fernandes has welcomed the competition. He said he's a fantastic player to watch. But Christian Eriksen can play as a number eight. He can play uh, behind the mm-hmm. number 10. He can mm-hmm. actually link up properly with Bruno Fernandes, Rashford, Sancho, Martial, and even Cristiano Ronaldo if he stays. And it's mm-hmm. someone that I'm really looking forward to because I've seen what he's done for Tottenham. I've seen what an influence he can be in that attacking final third as well. And the best thing about it is he is a very good set-piece taker for Manchester United and for Spurs. Well, not for Man United yet. But, yeah, <laughs> he will be free kicks. He would do better uh, corners. He'd be a vast improvement on whoever's we've had on corners. Tellers maybe when he starts, but honestly, seeing Christian Eriksen and Emmanuel shirt will make my season. He's someone who I've really wanted to see do well. I thought he's a better option for Barcelona than Coutinho was at the time. 
I'm, mm. I didn't have the podcast at the time, but mm. realistically speaking, Christian Eriksen will be a joy for Man United fans to watch next season. And I, for one, will be looking forward to seeing him. I might even get his shirt, you know. Depends on what <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Let's, let's support Christian Eriksen. He's gone through enough. Yeah. And people yep. making jokes, oh, he's gone through enough in his career and in his life. Why move to Man United? Why not? Why not make an impact at Man United? Why not be the difference maker? Why not inspire this new Man United side and this new manager with what you've actually gone through off the field and how you come back on the field to almost being at your best again. His prime years at Spurs were up there with the likes of De Bruyne and Ozil and anyone who's playing around that era as well. Um, fantastic player to watch. But yeah, from an outside perspective, yeah. what are your thoughts on the Man United signings, MJ? I think the Ericsson one's a uh, very shrewd signing. I think it'd be a good signing for you guys. Um, and you know what as well? I don't think he'll be phased. You know what? I talk about this a lot on our own podcast, like the players' mentality when they move to a club. Mm. The, like people from the outside that will be you know, have create memes are you know, has he gone through enough already and now he's going to Man United? But you have to think a player's mentality doesn't think like that. They think like I can be the difference maker and help United get back to where they was. And I think that what he's been through in his life, this not a move to United is not going to phase him or put any pressure on him. He could have lost his life, he could have lost his career, and he hasn't. He's still here. So I think Christian Nelson will be an excellent signing. And I'll just look at anyone who joins United, I'm just looking at it as in their mentality is they want to help United get back to where they are. Um, Martinez, I think that's a good signing as well. He kind of reminds me of um, uh, Gabriel Heinze, kind of left-footed, a bit uncompromising, quite tough in the tackle as well. Um, I know Arsenal were um, trying to compete with United to get him. Oh no, me no, no, personally, no, 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 no. that would have been that would have been a really good sign for you. But would he have started mm. with Gabriel or would he have started on the right side? How would it have worked for Martinez? That's the only thing as well. I don't think for forty-five mil, I don't think that's value for money for a player that's probably not exactly going to be first team. I think that he would have been like replacing Tierney if Tierney is injured at left back. Okay. Maybe replacing Partey when Partey is not in when Partey is injured. That's defensive mid. Or if Gabriel can't play a left centre back, we don't play the left centre back because Arteta does like love his left sided centre backs, left footed centre backs for the passing lanes and the passing angles when they're trying to progress the ball from the back from the goalkeeper. Yeah. So yeah, but for me, he's a good player, but I didn't quite see where exactly he was going to fit in at Arsenal for that amount of forty five million pound. I think that's quite a lot to. Sp- spend on someone that's not necessarily going to be a guaranteed starter, but not just no slight on him. He's a good player. And like I said, kind of reminds me of Hansen a little bit, a little bit tough on compromising. Both Argentinian, they've got that mindset. They don't mind getting stuck in. They don't mind the dirty work. And I think, yeah, I think it will be a good signing for United. What are your thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo if he leaves? Do you reckon he's going to leave? If he does leave, it seems like he wants to leave. If Whether he will actually leave is another thing. Mm. You know what? Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Oh, you know, United without Ronaldo, where they've been last year. But I think that if he does leave, a lot of the other players will step up because for me, a lot of the players went in their shed, into their shell when he come back to the club. And yes, he's scored a lot of goals. He's scored 18 Premier League goals and maybe a few other goals in the Champions League. Like, probably got you good, like, 25 goals this season, which is nothing to be sniffed at. Mm-hmm. But I just think that a lot of the other players around him, like Rashford, Bruno Fernandes kind of went into their shell a little bit and he took more of the burden where I think if he's not there, it will unshackle a lot of the players that you've got there already. Yeah. Because what I've loved about this summer transfer window is Ten Hag has gone for players that he wants and he's also gone for players that will actually impact our starting lineup. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm. bought players who would impact our squad, who didn't mm. really play properly, who didn't really uh, trouble who we had in the team already. Probably 
the only one was Cavani, Wan-Bissaka and Maguire. But then when Ragnick came in, he re- realised that Wan-Bissaka isn't good enough to play for Man United. Cavani was in and out of the squad with injuries. And it's just got, not gone the way that it's kind of we wanted it to go. But realistically mm. speaking, I'm really happy with the signings Manchester United have got. If Man United mm-hmm. do lose Cristiano Ronaldo, that would be something that every Man United fan will be disheartened with. Maybe not depressed with, yep. but it's something that if it happens, it happens. You just move on with it. You look for another striker. Hopefully, we've got one or two coming through at the end of the season. But I still think Man United are missing one more attacker on that wing. I think with the young players that we have, Ahmad Diallo, Pellistri, I don't think they're going to be someone you can rely upon, especially with the experience that we lost last uh, this summer. Cavani, Lingard, Mata, Pogba, Matic, even to an extent. We've lost a lot of experience, but we need people... So, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that your squad is still too late after losing all those players? No, I don't think we're like. No. I think if, mm-hmm. if you're looking at Lingard, Matic, Mata, Cavani, they were players that were used sparingly. They didn't really make mm-hmm. a... It's probably, I'd say probably two, probably two years ago, they'd have made first-team appearances a lot under Solskjaer. But last season, they were kind of used sparingly. Pogba was in and out of the side if we could afford to play him. With Christian mm-hmm. Eriksen, his more uh, disciplined uh, defensive-wise as well. So that's why I, kind of, I think we can afford to use him as a number eight. Realistically speaking, with the younger players we've got through and with some of the signings that we've got through as well, if you do go for Frankie de Jong, if you do go for Yuri Tillemans, mm. who I think would be a great alternative to mm. Frankie de Jong, 40 million, go for him. Why not go for him? I know yeah. Eric Hag wants to go for his players, players that he can yeah. play in his system properly. Be fantastic, but the reality is Frankie de Jong hasn't got his wages. He may not want to drop down to Europa League um, again after last season for Barcelona as well. Mm. Give Yuri Tillemans a chance. Get Yuri Tillemans to Manchester United. And I think you've got someone who, for the next four or five years, would be a fantastic centre mid to actually start. He's better than Fred. He's better than McTominay. Maybe mm. him Maybe him and Eriksen in midfield as well with Fernandes up front could be something that a lot of Man United fans could get used to seeing because we have mm. we, always offered a holding midfielder. We could go off to Sangare from PSV, but that's just speculation at the moment. But if Tillemans is in the shop window, Ericsson Hag should be going out for him. We spent a month and a half looking for this Frankie de Jong fella. I think it's going to come. Yeah, because when you're looking at some of these holding midfielders, these centre midfielders, when you buy them for the amount of money that you're looking at buying them for, 80 million, 60 million, 70 million, hardly any of them kind of make the big difference. They make the impact mm. that you want them. If you're looking at Real Madrid, they bought Tony Cruz for 35 million. They bought Modric for 30 million. If you're looking at some of these other bigger teams, Graven Birch went to buy Munich uh, this summer as well, 30 million mm. or so. They're going to make big differences as well. But you don't overspend mm. on some of these players because you can reinvest that money elsewhere. So that's kind of how I see it currently at the moment. If Tillemans does sign for Man United, that'd be fantastic. But he's leaning more towards an Arsenal music, I think, personally. I think Tillemans would be a good signing for you, though. <clears throat> Seriously, yeah. I think it would be a good signing for you. I think you need someone. That kind of, I know you got Ericsson, but we've got another person next to Ericsson as a number eight, like two number eights. If we're going to play two number eights, I'm not sure. I've not really watched uh, Ten Hag or United preseason, but it'd definitely be a great option for you guys. And I think you'll bring a lot. But quick question for you, though, Hams do you I think know. this year you're going to see a, uh, a brand new Donny van der Beek under Ten Hag? Good question. Are we going to see a brand new Donny van der Beek? I think we are going to see a brand new Donny van der Beek. He's someone who I've Really wanted to see a lot more of at Manchester United. He's someone I wanted to see in that number eight, kind of linking up with Bruno Fernandes, mm. getting used to Premier League football. He went on loan last season to Everton. Mm. I'm expecting a big season from Donny van der Beek this season coming up. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he works with Ericsson Hag. 
he's had that moment at Ajax where he's worked really well under Ten Hag. He's had that moment where he's come close to winning the Europa League. He's won um, the league with them as well. He was the semi-final. Champions League semi-final, yeah. Yeah, but he's had his tough moments in England. He's been outcasted mm. by Bragnick. He's been outcasted by Solskjaer um, mm-hmm. quite publicly as well. Some of the players, when you're looking at some of, when you're watching Donny van der Beek, he makes some of these really nice runs, um, these overlays, these underlaying, underlaying laps as well. The players don't miss, they, they miss him quite a bit. The media mm. gets onto him quite a bit. The fans get onto him quite a bit because we just want to see him play. We want to see him do mm. well. If anyone's going to get the best out of uh, Donny van der Beek, it is Eric Ten Hag and his backroom staff. And I truly believe seeing Donny van der Beek in this Man United side, as opposed to playing two holding midfielders and Fernandez. Throw in Donny van der Beek and Fernandez together. Give it a mm. give him a go. Give him a good shot. Because if we see at least, let's say, five goals from Van der Beek and five assists from Van der Beek, it's an improvement. It's stepping mm. stones in the right direction. Um, I agree. This is something that I'm going to be backing Donny van der Beek on this season. I think we're going to see it's now or never for Donny van der Beek. Yeah, I agree. If if Ten Hag can't get it out of him, then I don't think anyone will. Yeah. Then it'll be time for, for Van der Beek to move on, and that'll be another yeah. waste of money from Manchester United. I agree. But, we move on. And we're yeah. moving on now to um, Newcastle, who have, yes. me, for me, they've signed the best signing they possibly could have had this summer in Sven yeah. Botman for £35 million from Lille. Nick Pope for £10 million, Matt Target for uh, £15 million from Aston Villa as well. They made Premier mm-hmm. League signings with Premier League experience. Nick Pope for £10 million was a bargain. Absolute bargain, Nick Pope, for him to come in. He can challenge Dubravka. Um, Freddie Woodman as well I think he's gone out on loan as, uh, or gone out permanently as well to Preston I think so to see Nick Pope in this team but Sven Botman someone who I've adored for the last couple of years whilst he's been at Lille since he left Ajax someone who mm-hmm. could make a top six club someone who AC Milan the current champions of Italy were after mm-hmm. but they couldn't afford him they couldn't make up the, the wage packet but Newcastle mm-hmm. could overspend and they've spent on a really good centre-back and I think it's someone that the Premier League should be wary of next season as well. Because even if it's there for a season or two, there'll be teams out there looking at Sven Botman who they think, you know mm. what, we could actually go in for him in a season or two because he's a quality centre-back. I think he's, Definitely. he's number one on my list of best signings of the summer so far. Fair enough. Fair and enough. We, I, really, um, I really like the guy, as you can tell. Yeah. And as a listener... <laughs> yeah, as a, I'm not sure. Do you quite like him, Hems? I'm not quite sure. A little bit, a little, um, little bit. Just a little bit, bit innit? Yeah. Uh, no, but I agree. I do think it'd be a good signing um, for Newcastle. It's kind of funny with Newcastle because, um, you know, obviously after the takeover, you think, you know, this they're going to be their summer, splashing a lot of money. And, um, okay, yeah, they have spent like 31 million on Botman, or reportedly uh, 15 million target to make his move permanent. Mm. And Nick Pope, uh, about 10 mil, 9.7 star. They have spent, okay, yeah, they have spent money, but he's not maybe on the names that you thought that they would have gone for. But again, I think they've been shrewd signings, target, Premier League ready, can get in there. He's been there on loan. Um, Eddie Howe knows what he's going to get from him. You know what? I am quite slightly tempted to put Nick Pope in my top five, you know, because you know what? Yeah. I think he's always been kind of a solid goalkeeper, but then I was watching, oh, I was watching a podcast and I was talking about Nick Pope and, um, just talk about how aggressive he is with his starting position when from free kicks, wide free kicks, and how far he pushes up and collects the ball and catches the ball and very clean at that. And I've watched a little bit and I was like, you know what, it's actually true, you know, because I didn't even notice that characteristic in his game. Mm. Very aggressive, very, very aggressive. He stands, stands quite far up in his penalty box and very, you know, very dominant in coming to claim the ball and stuff like that. So 
I think that's a good signing for Newcastle. Um, I think he will probably edge out the Bravka and become their number one, and yeah. that will help England in the long run to uh, for you know just making the goalkeeping department stronger in general alongside Ramsdale and Pickford. Mm. I really don't like Newcastle, but I really like what they've done this summer with their signings. They've gone for players that they know that they can trust. They know that we're going for players that. Um, they're not wasting their money on the likes of, like you said, Neymar or whoever all of these people are as well that we have seen rumoured with them as well. A lot of rumours for Newcastle, almost as much as Man United get every other day. But no, I'm quite happy with the signings Newcastle made. And Sven Botman, like I said, I'm absolutely going to absolutely enjoy watching him in the Premier League, just not against Man United. I don't think it's going to be someone that I want to enjoy against on the opposite team. But like I said, he's a Champions League quality player that I've seen in this side. So it's going to be fun to see. Um, how it goes. Um, yep, I agree with you on that one. Southampton, quite worrying signs for them, I think. I'm not quite certain how their attack is going to look next season. The defence have got uh, Bella Koch up, so from Bochum, uh, Bochum in Bundesliga. Nine million for a young centre-back is going to be good to see how he goes um, going forward. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be one for the future. Someone like Salasu, um, someone like, um, who was it, Benarek that came in. Even with Van Dyke mm. when he came in, 23-24 yeah. from Southampton. Another young centre-back to watch out for from Southampton. I like the way they're going about their business, but I think they are lacking an attack. Broja going back, obviously, to Chelsea. Yeah, um, that's a big miss for them. Big miss. How are they going to get their goals next season? Are they going to rely on Armstrong? Are they going to rely mm-hmm. going forward as well? Obviously, Dana Ings, they haven't got any more. Yeah, It's going to be worrying. Joe Rebo from Rangers was a very good sign. And I've watched Joe Rebo for the last couple of seasons at Rangers. Especially yeah, in the he's decent league. player. Yeah, I agree. He deserves his Premier League contract, and it's going to be good to see how he kind of goes going forward as well. Um, mm-hmm. But MJ, any thoughts on Southampton signing so far? Do you reckon they're missing a player or two? Do you reckon they actually have enough to stay up? Because I'm quite worried if they're actually going to stay up in the Premier League next season because of the lack of attacking and creative threat they actually have in this side. Yeah, I agree with you about their attacking. Brochure's going to be a big miss for them. I don't know. I think they're still trying to work on a deal with Chelsea. To bring him back, I think that'd be a good signing. Uh, but you know, uh, Ariba, I think it'll be a good signing. Very technical, good on the ball. I've seen him, like he said, like for Rangers last year in their European run. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll be a good signing for um for Southampton. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about them scoring goals. Also, you got Wall Prowse that can assist and you know get goals from uh, free Set kicks. Piece I do merchant. like him. Seven piece merchant. merchant. I do. I do love a bit of um a bit of Wall Prowse. Though. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Prousey is a good player. Um, but yeah, no, definitely attacking-wise. I know they bought this uh, Seiku Mara from Bordeaux, 11 million. Uh, I don't know much about him. I think that was confirmed today. I don't really know him. I don't know if he can replace Broja and Broja's um, presence in the team last year. That'd be interesting to see. But yeah, I am a bit worried about them, to be fair. But I don't know what it is with him, with Hassan Hutal. They could lose 9-0, 8-0 and... Somehow they still manage to stay up comfortably mid-table at like, 12th, 13th. So if they get dragged in, it wouldn't surprise me. They finish comfortably mid-table, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, it's gonna. I think personally, it's gonna be Southampton in that relegation zone. They they're gonna be one of the current mm. teams in the Premier League that I'm quite worried about seeing because mm. of that lack of attack threat. If they one nil and one one their games through, then that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's gonna yep. be very difficult for them to with the current players that they have. I'm not confident in what they have. Southampton yeah. fans, if you're listening, do let us know if we're going to be right or wrong. Um, that's one of the questions <laughs> I'm looking forward to next season ahead. Yeah. Right. Now we're on to Spurs. So my arch, my arch nemesis. The ops. 
the ops are there. Yeah, the ops, yeah. The ops are no. Um, but I think they've actually done the most amazing business in this transfer window for years at Tottenham, for mm-hmm. absolute years. I've never looked at some of their signings and thought every single position they've gone for a player that they know will fit into the system, into this Conte system. It's one of those when you're actually playing football manager, you're playing, you're buying players who you want, but the manager's actually doing it for you in real life. There are rumours that are actually coming to fruition from uh, Tottenham Hotspur's point of view. Ivan Perisic, left wing back, he can easily start. Fraser Forster, amazing backup keeper from Southampton. Yves Besuma, him and Benton Core, him and Holberg in that midfield, that would be something that everyone will be worried about. Richarlison. Richarlison can play across all the front three at, at Spurs. He can play in the Champions League, like we said. He's going to be at the World Cup for Brazil as well. He's going to be bringing uh-huh. some absolute heat to this Tottenham uh-huh. He's going to be bringing it with Son, with Kane, with Kulisevsky. For £60 yep. million, pounds, I think it's a fantastic signing. Clemon Longley. If we're getting Clemon Longley from Sevilla, 2018-2017 Longley, Spurs are in for a treat at centre-back. Him as a left-footed centre-back who can distribute the ball properly, who's calm under pressure, who can beat the press. I think he's going to be one of the best signings Spurs have made. If they get him on a permanent deal next season or season afterwards, it'll be great. But on a loan, it's going to be fun to see. And finally, uh-huh. Jed Spence. How many more uh-huh. right-backs are England going to make with Jed Spence <laughs> as another one? 20 million from Middlesbrough. Amazing last season at Nottingham Forest, especially in their FA Cup run and in their promotion campaign as well. What Agreed. an absolute player to watch and what an absolute fantastic uh, young talent Tottenham actually have. We're going to get into Nottingham Forest in a second because I know we missed them, but I wanted to get onto Spurs before because being the Ops, being Tottenham, are you worried, MJ, with the amount of players that they've got, with the manager they have who's going to be in for a full first season, Antonio Conte, and having to play the way that they did at the end of last season, the way they play against you last season at White Hart Lane? Are you worried, MJ, with how Tottenham are going to be preparing with the players that they've got in this team? No, I'm not worried. Um, I think we can match them. I do. That's, oh, okay. that's, this is the aim now, to be honest, because mm. obviously last year you saw when we played them as like men against boys and mm. also last year when things went against us, we lost our discipline. So this year, I think we're definitely going to have to definitely going to have to improve in and um, make sure that we're, you know... Um, so can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, still hear you. Okay, because my... Sorry, my headphones cut out, so... Wasn't sure if um, you could hear me, but um, no, okay. Okay. good, good. So yeah, um, yeah, no, definitely. This for me, this is this is the aim for Arsenal this year. Um, as I said, it'd be very tight with Arsenal and Tottenham. But one of my top five signings is done by Tottenham, which is Richarlison. I think that's a really good signing for Tottenham. Um, you know, he gets goals, he gets puts himself about. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good signing for Tottenham. Definitely, Richarlison. Um, with Son and Kane on the other side, it's not bad front three, is it? Not bad at all. And again, it's one of as well. Sorry, who's that? Bissouma. Bissouma. Yeah, he's someone that I think would have gone to a, a top club. Going to be playing Champions League football next season, and he deserves it. To be fair, he's had a good couple of years at Bright, uh, Brighton. Yeah, he's done his apprenticeship at Brighton. He, he deserved to move to a big club. Yeah. For me, I was saying unfortunately that unfortunately it's Tottenham though. Of all the big yeah. clubs, it's Tottenham. We didn't want it. To I know. Be no, I didn't want it to be Tottenham. For me, he was like a perfect partner for Partey, mm. especially when Arteta was playing a four-two-three-one to double pivot. For him and Partey would have been a great signing. But as I said, our squad's really blowed. We need to get some players out before we can start bringing in. 
um, other defensive midfielders. But yeah, Vishalison, Basuma, great signing. Um, uh, Perisic, I think, you know, the Perisic is, is the one deal that I'm just kind of like, because mm, he's kind of about 33 now. Yeah, okay, he can probably play left wing back because Tottenham play three at the back. Conte loves his 3-4-3. Three, three. He can probably do a job there, but I don't know. That's the only that's the only one I'm just a bit like, mm. but the rest of the signs have been really good. Spence, I saw him uh, a couple of times last year on London Forest's run, and he always played well. He um, obliterated Tavares. He got him subbed off in the first half. He did. So Tavares got subbed off after half an hour because of Spence. Yeah. So That's, that's going to make your Amazon documentary as well. I bet you know. <laughs> It is, right. but that's Amazon documentary looking alright though. Mm. On the side, now it's not looking too bad. I feel I'll actually might even watch it now. Oh, uh, Fraser Forster, good signing. Um, lots of experience in the Premier League, uh, England caps, or at least been in England squad lots of times. Mm. So I think that's a good backup signing for uh, Hugo Lloris. And um, yeah, I think yeah, enough. To be honest, I think they've definitely done good business, but I don't worry about them. But yeah, I know they're going to be a challenge. That's how I see it. And me personally, I look forward to the challenge. When I look at Arsenal as well, I think like we've got a decent chance um, up against them. Big question. Mm-hmm. And United or Arsenal, who has more chance mm. of taking Tottenham out of that top four? Mm, at the moment, I'll say Arsenal because okay. the only reason why I say Arsenal at the moment is because United, you're got a new manager so it's interesting to see how that's going to work yeah uh and i think with arsenal we've probably been we're about two years ahead of united in terms of that process not necessarily saying that we're a better team than you that two years ahead of you but i just mean that process of getting a new manager getting his new players and that's why i'm saying to you this year's make a break for arteta now to see whether he is the right manager to actually get us back into the top four um i think in two years time i think united will be definitely Definitely, definitely challenging. But this year, you never know because you still got good players there. You still got like Rashford, you still got Martial, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo still there at the moment. So I wouldn't exactly write you off either. But yeah. it'd just be interesting to see a bit of an unknown quantity at the moment because we're not sh- quite sure how Ten Hag is going to set you up and how you're going to take to life underneath under Ten Hag. But I'll say Arsenal at the moment, but that could change. Definitely. Yeah, no, it, could, it, could, it all goes down to that first game of the season against Brighton for Man United. So it's got to be done in terms of how well we can actually set up against Premier League opposition in the mm-hmm. Premier League as well. That's what definitely will that's what Ten Hag will be um judged upon, not really pre-season, but what we're actually facing against um as well. Definitely um, agree. Now we're on to Nottingham Forest, who have made an abundance of signings, <laughs> uh plethora yeah. of signings, but I'm gonna go through the main ones. Taiwo Awoniwi. Glad you said it, not me. Yeah, Union Berlin striker did really well last season as well. Musa Niakate uh, from Mainz against 17 million last season. Neko Williams from Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Guess how much is for? 17 well, million. <laughs> they like 17 million, don't they? They like 17 million. Not. And today they confirmed the signing of Jesse Lingard. Free transfer. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Jesse Lingard's surprise. Yeah. I'm surprised. How come Newcastle are going through? I thought Newcastle wanted him in January. What, what, you know what, what I mean? There? I thought it would have gone for Newcastle, West Ham, Everton even as well. But it's gone yeah. for, apparently it's £9 million a year for his one-year contract at Nottingham Forest. It is a former club that Lingard has been on loan to. But Fair enough. Maybe he wants to be a big fish in a small pond. Dean Henderson's gone there on loan as well. Omar Rich That's from true. Bayern Munich has gone there as well. I'd like to see Omar Richards. He's meant to be a decent player, especially in move from Reading to... Um, yeah. 
to Bayern. So it'll be good to see him back in the Prem or in the Prem, sorry. Yeah, back in England. He's doing really good Not at Reading when he was there as well. But mm. I think with a lot of these players, they'll just need the game time. Uh, Awaniwi will yeah. need to be settling in properly. They'll need to rely on him mm. and Brennan Johnson for goals up front as well. But mm. Jesse Lingard to Nottingham Forest, I'm surprised about. I personally thought he was a better player than Nottingham Forest, but personally, mm, if he was looking for bigger contracts like his mate Paul Pogba was looking at for Juventus and PSG, I think he was never going to be at that level. But no. Jesse Lingard at Nottingham Forest, I'm not going to give him in my top 10 signings just yet. It's going to be about no. how they actually play, how yeah. they're going to miss Jed Spence as well. They've replaced yeah. Nico Williams, big player for them last season. James Garner was a big player for them last season as well. Yeah. Um, back at Man United if he goes back on loan to them fair enough I don't see it happening just yet but mm. um, what are your thoughts on uh, Nottingham Forest MJ? Yeah no they made some interesting signings Wayne Hennessy again not a bad goalkeeper lots of Premier League experience with Crystal Palace mm. and internationally with Wales because I know they lost their young goalkeeper I can't remember his name uh, Bryce Samba was it I think his name yeah, was Samba went was the hero in the penalty shootout um, yeah he's gone abroad hasn't he I think he went to League R so yeah Bringing Wayne Hennessy, someone with um, a lot of uh, experience in the Premier League, probably helped that dressing room as well uh, for a lot of players. Probably not playing it in the Premier League in that squad, so he could be quite vital for them. Uh, yeah, like I said, Omar Richards would be interested to see him. Uh, yeah, like he said, he played very well at uh, Reading before moving to Bayern a couple of years ago. Um, they bought it for seven million, so let's see how that goes. Hopefully, it goes well. Uh, some of the other guys I don't really know, I'm not going to lie, like Bian Kone, I don't really know him, so I'm not sure what to expect from him as centre-back uh, from Troyes. Um, Nia Karte as well, in centre-back from Mainz, I'm not sure um, much about him again, so it'll be interesting to see him. It's, a very, it's a very uncertain time because we're looking at players that we don't know for a team that we don't particularly know about mm. how they're going to do in a new league where they even... They don't know. So. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. No, just be interesting to see um see them and adapt to life in the Premier League. And you know, I always heard um I think it was on um Ben Foster's podcast, and he said that whenever you play, you never you never want to play a promoted team away first game of the season because it's just absolute nightmare. They've got this new bounce, the fans new are energy. on it, yeah, new energy. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully they get a good start, then you know that could keep them up. The side note, um, there was a time when Hull played, I think, against Wigan. They played mm. against Wigan away. They were promoted to the Premier League. And they won the game, right? Mm. And then outside the stadium, when the Sky Sports were interviewing them, they were getting gassed. They were getting so gassed. They were like, oh, we're ahead of Man United. We're ahead of Arsenal. We're ahead of Liverpool. We topped the league. And it was like a three o'clock kickoff when everyone had just kicked off, like four or five games of kickoff. Mm. The Sunday mm. games were yet to happen. The Monday games were yet to happen. The 5.30 game was yet to happen. But when you have that new energy from a newly promoted mm. side, no one's no one's beating that newly promoted no, side. No, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Fortunately, we don't have to feel that feeling firsthand. So we're, we're yeah. okay in that respect. Yeah. But no, there's been interesting to see Nottingham Forest anyway. Uh, traditional uh, big team. Um, I know I have this debate on our podcast a lot with uh, Sig and because, you know, Forest have won the European Cup or Champions League twice. I heard this one. I heard this yeah, one. Yeah, so you it's interesting this. to see, you know, like, are they still considered as a big club because they won their European titles in the 70s and 80s? But, I've, always yeah, distinguished, yeah. I've always distinguished it as club and team. Chelsea, mm, are, a, Chelsea are a bigger team than mm-hmm. Arsenal. Arsenal mm-hmm. are a bigger club. That's a, yeah, it's a difference, yeah. Nottingham Forest are a bigger club mm. than Man City. They're a great club, but Man City are a better team. Yeah, it's weird when you say that. To even say that none of us are 
potentially a bigger club or have a bigger history than Man City sounds weird, but yeah. they do, unfortunately. They won two European Cups. I know they really won the league once, which is crazy. I don't think there's anyone else in the history of football that's won the European Cup more than the domestic league, but mm. that's how it went with uh, Forest. But yeah, no, they're a big, big historic club in England, so it's good to see them back in the Premier League. If anyone's listening to this and they can hear it in different countries as well, if there is anyone from other countries that won the Champions League more than are in domestically, do let us know because yeah. we'd love to hear it as well. Definitely, 100%. 100%. Really I love all that stuff. So much trivia that we need to learn for the season coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Especially about the new, new, new promoted teams. Standards well, are improving. Yeah, definitely. yeah, no, definitely. West Ham. Uh, they've yeah. signed uh, a guard Quiet. from Rennes for 30 million. They've signed yeah, Ariola from the family. Too much about him. That's okay. I I think they should be searching for another striker. Definitely crazy. Broja, Broja, go in from. You know what? Away. That could be a good signing. You know, they're in, for, they're, Antonio, in for Scam- really. they're in for Scamacca as well. Right? Oh yeah, the Italian guy, six foot five, basically the new Zlatan. Yeah, scoring fourteen goals last season in Sassuolo. Sassuolo, yeah, yeah, quality player. But mm. if you're West Ham, who do you go for? Do you go for Broja or do you go for Scamacca? Because Mac is after like PSG, Man United are interested in him, but West Ham are very concrete about their interests. Who do you mm. go for? Well, personally, I'll go for Brozier because he's got Premier League experience and mm. I think he'll fit West Ham quite well. Yeah. Again, it might be difficult. Potentially, it could be a difficult transfer for West Ham because would Chelsea want to sell uh, like a quality young player or good player with decent potential to potential London oh. rival? I don't know. Mm. be tricky but I think Broja I'll go for Broja even though Skamaka yeah he's meant to be a really good quality player but there's always that little question mark when you're buying in someone from uh, Europe where they can sit on in the Premier League and I think with Broja he's already there and he's done pretty well for Southampton so I think a team like West Ham where he's got better quality players around him I think he can do really good yeah exactly and I would have gone for another winger perhaps as well someone on the right wing that can help out Jared Bowen every now and mm. then Again, mm-hmm. we're talking about five subs next season in the Premier League, so you need that strength and depth. Um, I do want to see a lot more of this famous West Ham Academy we get told about all the time. Mm. We've seen Ben Johnson come through. We've seen Mark yeah, like retire last season as well. But can we get mm-hmm. some of their attacking players coming up as well next season to support Antonio, Bowen, Ben Rama, Lanzini, Fornals, mm. whoever it is? Because mm-hmm. Yomelenko obviously left this summer as well on a free. Yeah. Or someone else that they're missing out on. Yeah. Um, Realistically speaking, they missed out on Jesse Lingard, which is crazy. I think he would have. I don't been, know what had to happen. I don't know why Lingard didn't go for West Ham because West Ham should have been the one for him. It was a perfect match. We all saw that. Yep. So, Lingard, Lingard, Lingard really has to make a big difference at Nottingham Forest. Otherwise, he'll be considered a little player these days as well because of the yep. contract is on. The responsibility he's going to have on his shoulders as well. How that? How will that weigh on him mentally as well? Mm. Having everyone watching him at Nottingham Forest as the new man at Nottingham Forest, the main man at Nottingham Forest. Surrounded by players at West Ham of the same kind of quality, the same kind of ilk, would have worked mm. really well for him, for David Moyes, and for West Ham. Yeah, worrying, no. worrying signs for Jesse Lingard. But it's crazy. I don't know why. The one for them. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, Skamaka, I'd go for personally because I think he's got a bunch of potential. I think it would suit West Ham style of play a bit more than Brozier would as well. Someone's got a bit of pace and a bit of trickery about him as well. Someone who I think if you were to buy him and even sell him in two, three years' time, he could be like a really big asset like Declan Rice mm. as well. Declan mm. Rice, I know we mentioned about uh, academy players. We want to see a bit more uh, flair from their young academy attacking players coming forward as well. So if you were to buy Skamaka, you could end mm. up selling him for £50 million profit, £60 million profit to mm. likes of a PSG, to the likes of a Bayern Munich who are in for a striker as well. 
after obviously Lewandowski leaving as well. So yep. realistically speaking, I'd go for someone like Skamaka, but West Ham are another London team who buy strikers after strikers after strikers after strikers, and they let you down. <laughs> former right winger is their now striker. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. But then definitely need to back up for him, though, because, yeah, they're going to be playing a lot of games. They're going to be in Europe again. So, yeah, I definitely need to get a backup striker for Antonio. 100%. I'll be looking looking forward to seeing West Ham do well um, again this season. A nice little team to watch. And last but not least, we're at Wolverhampton Wanderers, one of the most boring sides to watch last season, Um, especially when I went to watch Man United versus Wolves at Old Trafford. It was the most boring game I've ever seen by two of the most... (laughs) Boring teams I've watched last season, Man United and Wolves, yeah. but they're yeah. finally signing uh, Huang on a free on a permanent deal, ten million pounds from Leipzig. Really yep. good signing. Yep. Nathan Collins for twenty million pounds. I really think they could have gone for someone like Ben Mee from Burnley for free, as opposed to Nathan Collins for twenty million. I don't see the value in Nathan Collins at twenty million pounds personally from a Wolves perspective. But yeah. um, uh, Vinagre left as well. Fabio Silva, their record signing, left on a loan. Roman yeah. Saiz has left on a free for Besiktas. Uh-huh. Hoover's left on loan for PSV. Marcel was released as well. Uh-huh. A lot of their original kind of players that they had from the first year or two in the Premier League are leaving, MJ. So um, should we be worried about Wolverhampton Wanderers? Have they got the right amount of uh, balance in their side for next season? What do you think? I'm not sure. You know what, to be honest, I was kind of worried about them last year after Nuno left and Bruno Lago came in. And you know what? For a lot of the time, maybe up until the last third of the season, the last quarter of the season, I would say, actually, there was actually just always lurking around sixth, seventh, like never far away. I'm sure you remember, Hams, that there's never far away from us and United in the table until maybe the last 10 games and they kind of just fell off. Always lingering. Always lingering, like a fart in a lift, isn't it? They're just always around there. And... Awful yeah, I'm not sure, you know, they're a strange one. Sorry for that analogy. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. I'm done with the tongue there. What? Let's, that's not like you. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not. Let's get the conversation out of the guard. I do apologise. No, nah, it's okay. Um, we're good, we're good, we're good. I know, Wolves are a funny one. They are hard to predict. You know what? Like, similar to Southampton, yeah? Mm. Wouldn't surprise me if they're flirting with relegation. But then in the same token, wouldn't surprise me if they finish comfortably mid-table. But we're going to have to see if this... I, I could not predict that. I do worry about them a bit. But again, I don't know. This is a strange one, Wolves. And with that 3-4-3 three, three they play, sometimes they're quite hard to break down and they don't concede a lot of goals, but they don't score a lot of goals either. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Wolves are a strange one. I think they'll be bottom half of the table, though. I definitely can see them like 10th downwards, but will they be including relegation dog fight? I'm not quite sure, but at the same token, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think definitely bottom half, 10th and lower. I think they'll be fine. I think they've got the... I think from an objective point of view, they'll be happy just to be playing boring, getting the draws, getting the 1-0 wins, 2-0 wins. Yeah, Adama Traore, Pedro Neto back for, uh, to full fit. Oh, yeah, they'll be back again. Yeah. Podence, Jimenez. It's going to be fun to see them all kind of playing Podence again. is not a bad player as well, though, to be fair. I, I think Arsenal would have gone for someone like Podence. He would have been a decent signing for you guys. Maybe, the right winger. Mm. Him or Trossard, I thought, would have been good signings. I like Trossard, actually, as well. Yeah, I think they're both good players, to be fair. Both technical good players. Yeah, refreshing to play in that attacking system as opposed to that 3 4 3 that they're playing at uh, Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers and Brighton, uh, respectively, mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. no, realistically, I think uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers will be fine. I really believe that um, going forward, some of their players like Ruben Neves, we should have bought him mm. two, three years ago because they're <laughs> yeah. outpriced in their own selves. They yeah. sold him for 100 million to Man United. They would have been laughing all the way to the bank. They would have been killing it with their 
recruitment like they normally tend to do as well. They have really good recruitment normally. So mm. I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more of Wolves. Hopefully they're a bit more expressive, but I think Bruno Large did a pretty good job last season as well. He did. Uh, coming into a brand new country with a brand new team, pulling it all back. He did quite a good job. And I think Wolves fans, um, I know once you listen to us on our, on our podcast as well, will be quite happy with what they've got going forward for the season as well, which will be yeah. um, good for them and bad for everyone else because it will just be the last game on Match of the Day every week. <laughs> <laughs> That's why um, you're not on Sky Sports unless you play a big team, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yes. It doesn't happen to you. Doesn't happen I'm sure they'll be alright that. I'm sure they'll take that. They'll take it if they finish 10th. They'll be absolutely exactly, good, which would be good. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for sticking around to the end of the podcast. We are going to tell you our top 10 joint um, mm-hmm. transfers, and it is quite objective. So in no particular order from mine, mine was Tyler Adams, Sven Botman, Raheem Sterling, Koulibaly, and uh, Bubukar Kamara. MJ came up with Darwin Nunes, Nick Pope, Erling Haaland, Richarlison, and Calvin Phillips. Right, MJ, how are we going to break this down? Um, number one, we'll go, no, we'll go 10 up. 10, I'm okay. going to go for, um, let's start with Tyler Adams. I think will be a decent signing, really good one. Quite happy to have him at number 10. Okay, I have, yeah, that's fine then. We could have Pope at number nine then. Number nine. Uh, number eight, I'm going to throw in Calvin Phillips. I think it'll be okay. quite decent to have at number eight. Number seven, I'm going to go for Kuli Bali. Okay. Bali will be another good signer for them as well. Number six, this is where it gets tricky because we actually have quite fun players to put in. Yes. Number six, I'm going to go for Darwin Nunes, someone okay. who I've quite enjoyed um, going forward. Um, and now it's up to you to choose the last five. It's going to be tough. So, Harland, Richarlison, Botman, Sterling. Oh, Sterling, okay, I'll go for Botman. Botman, at five. I, yeah, number five. That's because I'm, I love my strikers and attacking players, as we all do. Oh, I think with the top four has to be like we're attacking players. So yeah, I think yeah, Botman at number five. Number four, I would say Richarlison. Richarlison. Number three, I would say. <sighs> this is where it gets tricky. It's quite difficult. Yeah. Uh it's... Did I say Richardson already, isn't it? I think so. Uh, we've got ten. At, well, let's go again. Ten yeah. Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, nine. Who did we say is nine? Uh, Pope. Nine gone for Pope. Mm-hmm. Eight. We've gone for Phillips. No. Yeah. yeah. Phillips number eight. Phillips has gone for eight. Seven. I went for um, Kamara. I think. I went for Kamara. Six. I went for Koulibaly. Well, if I didn't, I would just confirm it now. So number okay. five. Unless you want to swap Koulibaly with Botman and have Koulibaly number five and have Botman number six. No, nah, I'm keeping Botman. Are you happy, happy that way, yeah? Botman in the top five because you put Botman yeah. at five. So number yeah, we'll four. Yeah, we've five, yeah. So now who we've yeah. got? We've got Harlan, Richarlison, Sterling and um, Nunes. Yeah. Nunes, yeah. yeah. Okay, so mm, right, let's go for Nunes number four. Nunes number four. Uh, number three, Richarlison. Richarlison. Yep. And then this is tough. Let's have a Holland or Sterling, isn't it? Maybe Sterling then Holland. No. No, other way around. Holland then Sterling, yeah. Ah, this is a tough. This is a tricky one. For everyone listening, 
I personally think Raheem Sterling, well, I said Darwin Nunes, I said Sven Botman is my favourite signing of the season. The best signing of the season for me is Raheem Sterling. I think it's taking value as well. Value for money, 47 million to Chelsea, who have lacked a striker for a good number of years. I think Raheem Sterling will be a, a perfectly fit glove, not an OJ glove. He'll be mm. fitting perfectly. <laughs> he'll do really well for them going forward. Um, he'll stretch the play for Chelsea. He'll work really well with Havertz, Mount, hopefully with Werner and Ziyech as well. And Pulisic, like I said, he's an upgrade on Christian Pulisic. So for me personally, I'd back uh, Raheem Sterling for being the best signing of um, the summer transfer window so far as of July 2022. But I don't want to be wrong and say a Chelsea sign-in for two, uh, two summers in a row and look like a clown. I don't want to do that. So I will defer to you, MJ, my good man, and put Raheem Sterling at second. Oh, God. <clears throat> no pressure then. Right. So he's number one at Haaland. Why is Haaland the number one signing for you, MJ? For me, I just think he's just a complete striker already at the age that he is. He's already got more goals than games in the Champions League. Banging it in for Norway international level. And I think he's just the perfect striker for City to finish off their chances. Like, perfect, perfect. I can't think of anyone better that could have bought as a number nine for them. Exactly. Do you reckon they would have missed out on Harry Kane? Um, knowing that we're going to get Holland this summer? Do you reckon that was part of their plan last summer? Possibly. But I think they would have took Kane last year if... Tottenham didn't want 120 mil. I think if they could have yeah. got came for 100 mil, they would have definitely took, took him. But a year later, I don't see them complaining. He's a younger than Kane by a good few amount of years. So, hey, look, he could be that seat now for the next 10 years and bagging 30 goals a season. Wouldn't surprise the, me at all. The scariest thing about Erling Haaland and Pep Guardiola working together is Pep Guardiola can mould Haaland into the perfect Manchester City striker. He's got the yes. raw materials already that he developed at RB Salzburg. He's developed into a proper number nine at Borussia Dortmund and someone who can actually scare opponents just by his sheer presence, being one of the top 10 strikers in world football over the last two, three years, breaking all sorts of records for Norway, mm. Borussia Dortmund, and working his way through into European and world football um, as one of the top young players as well. But the mm. worst thing about this is from a Man United, from an Arsenal, from a any other 19 Premier League club, any other Champions League club, is his working with one of the best tacticians of world football, with one of the best setups in world football, and he can mould them into any kind of way he wants, uh, which is yep. ridiculously scary. I agree. I don't think he's the best of him yet. We've not seen the best of Erling Haaland. And which we're is scary because be... he's done a lot already. Yeah, he's done so much in his young career. He's had so many ups and downs already in his career as well. Mm-hmm. The worst yeah. thing was Man United rejected signing him when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> was the manager. And he's definitely going to come to Old Trafford, score against us and celebrate and ruin our day because that's what Erling Haaland does. And he'll probably point to me in the crowd <laughs> that, which I see happening. We all know that um, Erling listens to, um, you know, yeah, podcast, yeah. but then that kind of attack as well. So, you know, yeah, he probably put pointing at you in the stand when you find me in the crowd with his little gun. We'll bring out a sniper <laughs> and do that with me as well. Definitely, we'll just go like that. Um, but yeah, that's our top 10 list. So, everyone, thank you very much for joining us on our return to the Premier League season. This will be probably a week or so before the Premier League comes out. So, we're really looking forward to seeing what each of our teams have upcoming in store as well. We're looking forward to coming back onto uh, consistent Premier League conversations on our podcast. It's going to be great fun. And MJ, what are we looking forward to on Ball and Banter coming up this season? Yeah, like we've got um, a lot of things in the in the pipeline. Obviously, we're all looking forward to the start of the new Premier League season. 
looking forward to the start of the World Cup as well. So, uh, and then when I'm towards the start of the World Cup, we're going to be going back and looking at old uh, World Cups. Uh, so that'll be fun. I will, every episode, we'll choose a particular year and go for it. So we'll probably start at Italian 90 and go forward until the present day. So we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, also, we've got a couple other little things coming up where we've got um, uh, best team of the decade for Serie A, Bundesliga, La Liga as well, and Premier League. So, yeah, got a lot of things to come. So, yeah, there's been a lot of things going on. And obviously, just our normal uh, Premier League uh, roundup and just normal Premier League talks as well. So, yeah, all, all guns, all systems go, all guns blazing. Got a lot of work to do. But, yeah, looking forward to it. And it's as fun as always. That's what we do it for. We do it for the fun. We do it for the enjoyment of podcasting. And uh, big respect to MJ for coming on our podcast today. We're really looking forward to what you have in store going forward as well. We'll leave your description in the link as always going forward. And yeah, looking forward to it. The main question is, are you going to Qatar to record any of these episodes? MJ? No, unfortunately not. No, we'll be in uh, London. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be further away from Qatar? But yeah, no, we'll... Um... You know, I love World Cups and Euros, so um, no, definitely looking forward to uh, this one. First one in the Middle East region as well, so it should be good as well. Uh, you know what? Um, it'll be interesting as well uh, to see uh, whether Portugal, Argentina, with Messi and Ronaldo, whether this will be their little farewell um, at the world stage. I don't know. Cristiano yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he goes on for another 10 years. I can see it. He looks after himself really well. But yeah, no, this will be interesting to see those two face off again potentially for the last time on the world stage as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing how it will go. And that will be a big topic for another brand new episode that we'll be having coming up later in the year as well, because we're looking forward to mostly the fact that um, we're just looking forward to seeing so much more football than we're ever used to in November and December going forward from international. I love the group stages when you've got like three, four games on per day. I love the build-up, man. There's there's so much. Like I was on jury duty this week as well. and All I was Uh doing was in a room waiting to be called just editing, video editing, photo editing, mm. what ideas can I use for the World Cup? What ideas can I use for the Premier League? What can I talk about? How can I change things? And yeah, ball mm. and banter and Friday Night Character we're coming for this World Cup. We're coming for the We're going to be bringing new things and fresh things for everyone to listen to throughout, throughout the, the season going ahead. Mm-hmm. The worst thing was... We still need a football game. So after this podcast, we'll see if we can organise a football game before. Yeah, no, 100% definitely, yeah. It's got to be done. You can, you can meet me in Stoke now, seeing as you missed the Yes. <laughs> I had my chance in London. We'll meet in a neutral location on one of your days off as well. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That's fun. fine. That's fine. Definitely. But no, everyone, thank you very much for staying with us for the whole episode. It's been a long episode, but it's been a great episode to come back into it. We've been really blessed to be able to talk about this on a frequent basis. Um, everyone do follow Ball and Banter follow MJ and what they're doing over there it's fantastic to listen to every time I'm rather on long journeys to and from university or playing PlayStation normally when I'm playing PlayStation to be fair or on (laughs) Thursday when I come back from university Uh, do follow us on our social medias on YouTube on Instagram Um, do follow us on Spotify Apple Music as well thank you very much for your time do share it with your friends and take care good night